Hey everybody, my name is Jonathan. I am one of the hosts for The Outside Story. Thanks for listening to us. Um, With me, I have my co-hosts. I'm Jessica. Hi, and I'm Larry. And today with us on this episode, um, we have a special guest. Um, Who are you? Why are you here? (laughs) Who am I? That's a deep, open-ended question. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, my name is Aaron Cho, and... uh, uh, grateful to be on here, friend of uh, friend and colleague and pastor. I work alongside of uh, Jonathan as uh, one of the pastors at Quest Church. Um, gosh, who am I? Such a big. I need some more direction there. But uh, I. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can just tell us about. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Do you like film? Do you not like film? A podcast about films, anyway. It would be pretty awkward if I was like, no, I have no interest in films, <laughs> and I have not watched a movie since 1995. Uh, no, I love. Yeah, no, this is actually. It's really fun to be on this because. Uh, aside from work-related things, probably the next thing, probably the two next things that we talk about the most, Jonathan, is probably uh, what the hell does it mean to be Asian and all the films and <laughs> movies and television shows that we love to to talk about. Uh, did you watch that movie that came out? Or are you watching the show? Or yeah. I feel like I'm always asking you outside of how are you doing? I'm like, so what are you watching these days, man? <laughs> what right, are you watching right. these days? So, um, no, it's just fun to just, uh, I, I had an opportunity to listen to a couple of your guys' episodes. Uh, just, first Uh-oh. of all, honestly, like, shout out to Pen15. I was like, oh, this is a good company. Yes! <laughs> yes! Finally, someone! <laughs> and we don't have to go deep dive into that, like, right off the bat. But I was like, just, Johnny, when you told me a while ago, you're like, me and my siblings love horror films and stuff like that. That is, like, the opposite end of my cup of tea because I can't, yeah, I'm the hoodie hoodie over. Like, I'm just, like, looking through the, yeah, I can't, I can't handle Same it. Way. I'll be, I told Jonathan, I was like, if I watch one of those movies, I'm having nightmares for three days. So, um, but when I was looking at some of the other things that you guys have been talking about and chatting and deep diving into, I was like, oh, if they're going through Pen15 and Parasite and all this stuff, uh, I'm in good company. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I, um, I mean, just kind of the, the things that I've been thinking about of, uh, of why this kind of matters to me was, uh, I just love, I love stories, I love storytelling. I love the art of it. It's, um, I feel that, uh, it's the way that we connect as human beings. It tells us, you know, a little bit about who we are and even the parts of stories of other people's stories that we don't fully relate to. There are relatable parts of it that we're like, ah, that part of that part of that story I can connect with. And I think that's powerful. I think that's how people uh, find, you know, human connection and we're wired, you know, for that connection. And we're wired as human beings to be storytellers from the beginning of time. And so we're, we're doing, I feel like a pretty good job of keeping that, keeping that rhythm and ritual going. So, yeah, that's good. That's good. I mean, I would say the same thing for me too, you know, just story is great and it's, it's how we all connect. And before we dive a little bit more into that, you lived in SoCal for a little bit, right? Yeah. Do you have any like connections or even like experience with film industry? Was it you that said that like you were thinking about studying film too at one point? Yeah, that was like undergrad. I I mean, oof, it uh, it probably crossed my mind just because I had a passion for it. And then, of course, the Korean Asian American voice inside of me that was my parent or my <laughs> father's voice, my dad's voice is like, that will not make any money. Why would you ever do that kind of a thing? Uh, so it was definitely like kind of stayed in the vein of hobby. Um, we did have uh a film and rhetoric studies program, a major that two of my friends were into. And I envied them. I envied them because they were like <laughs> writing papers, deep diving into film and studying film, making films too. 
and I'm like, you know, studying econ graphs and, and, and studying charts for, for economics, which here's, a, here's a, the funniest part is that I'm in ministry as a pastor. I'm doing nothing related to economics. I could have definitely studied film for four years <laughs> and that would have still had nothing to, and actually probably may have actually translated a little bit better to what I'm doing today. Mm. Um, but uh, no, I mean, yeah, it was something that uh, I think I've always just kind of been into. I think it's funny whenever I have conversations, even with my wife, when we talk about TV shows or movies or something like that, she's like, you watch so much TV as a kid, didn't you? And at first, like, I'm defensive. I'm like, no, I studied a lot. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I, I watched a lot of TV. I watched a lot of movies growing up. So um, yeah. that's just kind of an area that I love. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What What were some of those TV shows or even films that were kind of impactful for you as a kid growing up? You know, as a kid growing up, I watched a lot of things. It was kind of eclectic. It was kind of all over the place, you know, but um, I probably like television shows. I was like, I grew up in the, in, uh, the, the early nineties area, the ne- early nineties era of like TGIF. Do you guys remember TGIF? Yes. Like, Thank yeah. goodness it's Friday. We Yay. would watch all those shows. I'm like trying to remember Like it always rotated and changed, but like, Boy Meets World and like some some of these shows that we always like get glued and, and watch over and over again. But I, I mean, I say like hands down, like I, I grew up watching the Cosby show. I grew up watching Loving, like my all time favorite shows, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Martin. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of was in that friend's vein for a little bit. There was just few and far between of shows that featured people of color. And there was definitely not a, not a lot of shows that featured Asian, Asian Americans. So, you know, I know those were the shows that just some some reason i mean that was just kind of the context in the the community that i was around as well too you know growing up in just south of seattle in a little suburb called federal way there's a lot of koreans particularly a lot of asians a lot of african-americans and so in that vein like the people around me and the shows i watched kind of like uh would would gravitate towards television shows that featured prominent folks of color too i did watch actually for a little bit for the little run it had i don't know if you remember margaret cho show all american girl or all american store all american girl i think it was yeah i've Um, heard of it yeah, but it, I never it watched it. I heard didn't it. last. It didn't last long. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I'm trying to think of some other shows that I grew up on, but um, yeah, those are kind of mainly it on television shows. Yeah, yeah. Are there any? Uh, well, yeah, that's a good question. Like, what movie? What shows did we mm-hmm. watch growing up? Yeah. Similar, similar. I think we're all pretty similar in age, so we kind of all grew up in that era. I watched Boy Meets World, hands down, one of my favorite shows. Saved by the Bell, um, <laughs> Family Matters, uh, all Full the TJ, yeah, classics, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah classics, like all yeah. those, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. X Files. My wife loved X Files too. That's like she was a big X Files. <laughs> I, I think I was too scared to watch X Files. Yeah, I didn't deep dive into it, but then looking back, those they interestingly age well and they don't age well at the same time. Like right. it's like nah, I don't know about <laughs> this, but you're like you're still glued to it. You're like, oh man, when they bring back the X Files, like, oh this is good, this is crazy. It's bad, but it's so good. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely remember those sitcoms too. Stuff like My Wife and Kids was a really good one. I love that one. Sister, sister was real. Oh good. yeah, um, Tia and Tamara yeah. Maori. Shout out to the twins, <laughs> right? Yeah, and then I also I think Larry and I we grew up on uh, cartoons as well, like Saturday morning cartoons. Oh so, yeah, like, any of the stuff that you used to play on Saturday morning. I'm um, trying to think like Spider Man, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, X-Men, yeah, X Men, you know, all those. Right, yeah. right, yeah. And then I, I think like, as I got older too, like Jackie Chan Adventures was <laughs> one of the. One of the ones, you know, I missed that one. Like I missed that boat on that. I never, I think I, I heard about it, but I never watched an episode of that, which mm-hmm. I'm kind of envious that 
that you got to catch that in your generation. <laughs> yeah, um, it's actually kind of good. You should go back and watch it. I should, I should. <laughs> what ages well, too, is The Simpsons. That That's a classic for me, too. Simpsons mm-hmm. and Family Guy have, have, um, have aged well. It's, those are some classics for me. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Um, yeah, pretty much the same thing. Uh, a lot of cartoons. A lot, a lot, a lot of cartoons. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Just cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> All, that's all. That's all. My childhood really is a lot of a lot of cartoons. Uh, that's and good. Always, yeah, hopped on the the hype train for like Pokemon, Digimon, Yu Gi Oh. Yeah. Man, everything. It was pretty bad. <laughs> when, there uh, you go. We, we got into those new things. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. What about current films now or TV shows now? Like, what are you mm. watching? I'm trying to think right now what's happening. I we we have a two and a half year old, so my TV intake and it has has dropped down. Uh, a lot um so um but i'm trying to think of like things that are currently on right now well like pen 15 i mean that season ended but uh, i would consider that a a a more recent show we kind of have i have to like categorize the shows like we watch multiple shows at the same time i'm sure you guys are Mm -hmm. like this too where it's like are you in a comedy mood do i need to just laugh and do i have only like 25 minutes or 30 minutes i just all that's all the time i got and i just need to watch something that's funny or do I need something intense and drama and I got an hour or so? But yeah, I mean, like the short kind of comedy stuff, I love. Yeah, we've been currently watching Pen15. We wrapped up this last year, Silicon Valley. That was a show that we were glued to for a while. I'm getting on the Veep train right now and I'm absolutely loving it. Veep is, uh, I don't know if you guys watched mm-hmm. any of Veep, but it's a hilarious show. It's kind of a mix of, I put a, it's an HBO version of Parks and Rec and uh, <laughs> maybe like Community and all the Weird thing, yeah. Put Office and Parks Rec together and put it in HBO with a lot more, you know, vulgar language and whatnot, crude humor. And then that's where you get with Veep. I'm trying to think of dramas right now. I had to like list them because I was like, I'm going to forget. But uh, actually, my favorite drama last year was the show called Rami. I don't know if you guys have heard of Rami. Mm. It's, on oh, it's on Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. So mm. good. And yeah, like more dramedy like there's it's definitely uh kind of kind of falls in a very similar feel and tone of Aziz Ansari's Master of None kind of like Mm. it's comedy but it's dark comedy but it's serious and drama and some episodes get you know really heavy and deep but um Rami was a great show just about a Egyptian Muslim young millennial wanting to stay true to his faith I think Jonathan I was talking to you about this guy and this this story of him wanting to stay true to his Muslim faith, but not the one that the way that his parents uh, expressed Mm -hmm. their faith. Mm -hmm. And even though, you know, it was about, you know, a Muslim guy, I was like, man, there's a lot of parallels with a lot of young uh, Christians that I know of. And I would even throw myself in that camp of how to find what faith looks like for me as a 36 year old, that's different than Mm -hmm. my parents' faith. And how do I stay true as a good, you know, well, you know, quote unquote, a, you know, a good, uh, christian whatever that even means like a faithful christian whatever that means yeah. but he's trying to discover you know what that means for himself and like being a faithful muslim as a second gen you know so i, I was like yeah. this is a really good show and it's really funny too i'm still kind of in the middle of this but uh there's a show on hbo i think the watchman i don't know if you guys have been watching the watchman mm. hbo i've um, heard a lot of good things about that one it's good it's so good. many good things yeah it's good yeah. but it's definitely it's definitely dark it's like oh man i don't know if i can handle <laughs> handle this kind of stuff right now and then um i would be lying if i said i don't watch korean dramas so there's uh, a couple of korean dramas that <laughs> my wife and i uh we deep dived in the most recent one has been itaewon class that we just mm. went in on and it yes. is so, so good. good oh you've been watching just, I, it I, is I, so I finished good. it my husband and i finished it we really really liked it so good so mm. uh, all the 
yeah, touches on all the themes and all the things, mm-hmm. and all the feels of Korean drama, you know. So yeah, it's um, definitely different for a Korean drama. I feel like yes, that's yeah. probably why I like it. You know, yeah. So it's a little bit different. Yeah, and then there's other shows like I don't need a storyline. I just need to look at really good and beautiful food right now. So just tons of <laughs> good food shows. David Chang, shout out to Dave, Dave Chang and Ugly Delicious. We love mm-hmm. that show. And, yeah, that's um, oh, a good one. Yeah, one in a similar vein that I actually like too has been it's on Hulu. Roy Choi. Roy Choi has a show called Broken Bread that's uh, similar, but kind of goes into using food as a way of speaking into injustices around like food justice, basically, and where mm. there are certain communities, um, particularly in the L.A. area um, that are food deserts. And he tries to address the issue around access and accessibility to healthy foods and why that is the case for certain communities and who gets access to what. But it's a really powerful show, too, if you guys have a chance to, mm. to see all these things. I have all these subscriptions. And it's like eating away at all my finances right now. <laughs> I can have access to this, which is probably not a good idea. I should probably just stick to one, but yeah. I'm glad that you love TV and film and story as much as we do. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you guys have a place where you guys can feel no judgment of talking about how much TV consumption you guys <laughs> combine together as, as joins, as siblings, as one force to be like, by our powers combined, we will watch every show there is on the planet, on the planet. So we have a long yeah. running list. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I'm curious. What are you guys watching? I just started Never Have I Ever. It's on Netflix. Mindy Kaling, she she produced it, and I'm on episode four. It's short; it's probably like ten episodes, but it they're short, like thirty minutes only. So I really like it so far. I like seeing. I mean, we see a lot of like Korean, Chinese, Japanese, uh, but we don't see a lot of like Indian. So it's it's been fun to watch that. I think that's kind of the only thing I'm really watching right now. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I have some other things, but they're kind of on the back burner. <laughs> Not to use the word like comparing in terms of better or worse, but how do you how would you compare that to Mindy Project? I'm assuming you've seen Mindy Project or have you not seen Mindy I Project? haven't. No, oh, okay. I haven't seen the Mindy Kaling Project. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'd be curious to know. Yeah. How it, I heard about <laughs> I heard good things about it. So I heard yeah. good things about it. Yeah. Yeah. Larry, what are you watching? I'm still in my Korean drama phase. But uh <laughs> <I've> <laughs> we watch a lot of Korean um, drama. That's yeah, yeah, we do. Jess and I. Yeah, what? yeah. We just recently of... though. <laughs> yeah, just recently. Yeah. We could do a spin off pod I mean if y'all need to do a spin off <laughs> podcast, just going in off that. I yes. love it like Korean oh, dramas because Jonathan won't watch any with us. Hey, I will watch them. I'm just picky about them. I watched Kingdom and that yeah, was Yeah, you amazing. watched Kingdom, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like your vein too. Yeah. 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 Go ahead, Larry. Um, but yeah, I've also been watching Korean variety shows. Um, oh yeah, just, yeah, just to kind of spice these up a little bit. Um, been watching Society Game. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that one's. I'm on season one right now. It's pretty good. I'm like halfway done with it. What's um, the premise of that one? It's kind of like Big Brother and Terrace House mm. put together. Okay, yeah, yeah. So they have like 22 people. They they all come together, have like different backgrounds, and uh, they separate them to, to two different societies so they have uh one society that's a little more like dictatorship the other one's more like uh democratic <laughs> <laughs> essentially and then they and then they, they compete they compete in like games and whoever the team that wins like they'll win prize money that can be distributed amongst all the members um and then the one the team that loses they have to eliminate a member uh from from mm. their society um so there's like a lot of politics there's a lot of like oh um, yeah yeah intrigue a lot of like crazy crazy social conflict stuff um 
So and it gets you really thinking, just like on a smaller scale, it gets you thinking about like the core aspect of what makes people like bond together. Huh. Um, yeah, and so like some people have such a hard time like letting go of like their attachments. Some people have a really hard time trying to um, trying to put the game ahead of their own loyalties to each other. And so yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. I like it hmm. a lot. Hmm. I gotta check yeah. that out. I gotta check that out. Hmm. How about you, Jonathan? Uh, TV shows. You know, I was watching The Last Kingdom, which is a show about Vikings. I have put that on pause, kind of, because I've been wanting to watch more APIA-related stuff, because it is APIA Heritage Month. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I've also been wanting to watch more LGBT films, too. And so yesterday I watched an LGBT film called Mario. That one's really good. It's about this soccer player who is gay and has to choose between kind of his like identity or his career. It was a really good film, but really sad to watch. You know, I feel like that's how a lot of LGBT films are nowadays, but it was good. And then, yeah, I just have a lot of APIA like films on my list right now because it is uh, May. And so just waiting to get, to get through all those. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm, what I'm watching right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, PA, question for you. <laughs> yes. Um, what did you think of Parasite? <laughs> <laughs> that was such a... <laughs> there was uh, no, no build-up or no transition to that. Just like, what did you think of Parasite? Gosh, I, don't, I mean, I thought it was a phenomenal film. I thought it was, I mean, I have to put all my cards out just from the jump. So if, if it ever, if it sounds like, oh, this guy sounds super biased, I'm absolutely biased of this film because, <laughs> you know, I was like rooting for it from the jump. I feel like that's okay. Like, I feel like that's part of why we love films so much is we root for and we cheer for the films that before we even watch it, um, that could, I know that could also destroy a film too, where if it gets overhyped and I know for sure, like I walked into it knowing that it had been hyped already previously, like in Korea before it got kind of got here to the United States, got here a little bit later. And with it, it's still for me, it's still delivered. And my wife has always reminded me, it's like, don't read up on things. Just like, just watch it. Let's not, you know, hype kills things, hype kills things. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I want to be, if, if, if hype's going to kill it, I don't care about it. Like, we're still going to go into it. But um, I, I just thought it was like everything from the way that it was shot, like from more of like a cinematography, uh, cinematography and like how director Bong, like it's just so beautifully shot. Like I was just thinking, interestingly for a movie that was so heartbreaking, it was so beautifully shot. Like that was mm. just something I could not get past. And I was like, wow, I don't know what he's doing. And I, I'm almost sensing. And, and the more I've gotten to like deep dive, read about just him and who he is as a person. He is very meticulous and very perfectionist and he's very intentional about every detail to everything, which I love hearing the process of film too. That's something that's really fun to, to look in behind the scenes and enter into the brain and the mind of the person who's creating it that makes you appreciate certain things even more. But that was like one of the things that just kind of stood out both times. The first and the second time was just how beautifully the film was shot. I think as a from the writing standpoint too, like I thought it was so cleverly written, like everything was just written so well. And that's the hard part too, is I, I speak Korean, but I'm not fluent, but I was able to, you know, catch probably the majority of the, there wasn't too many complex monologues. I mean, it's mostly dialogue. And so it's pretty easy to just kind of follow along with what's going on in the story without having to read a ton of the subtitles. But every so often when you catch a subtitle, 
you know, as you kind of are like, that's, that didn't translate totally well. <laughs> and that they didn't capture it perfectly well. But that's okay that even with that, it was just such a well written, well scripted, beautiful story. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of some other things I loved about it. There was, yeah, just the beauty of a representation. I mean, I mean, that's something that, you know, given that it's AP IA month, you know, something to celebrate that a film of, you know, of that caliber and that quality and was recognized on kind of the the largest scale. And I go back and forth on this, right? Because there's there's that other part of me that's like, ah, oh, man, like forget the Oscars, hashtag Oscars so white and like forget them. They don't, we, mm. you don't need them to validate things. And yet it's like this, we don't need you to validate us. But if you give us the Oscar, that'd be hella dope. You know, it's like this kind of like, um, and it, it, so true. I, I hate to like say it this way, but it's like, if you lost, you could lose. And so you're like, man, forget the Oscars, man. They got it wrong. Of course they picked the wrong film. Oscar's so white. But then when you win, you're like, we won an Oscar. This is crazy. It's like, it is what it is, you know? But I think it's important though. Like, I think that even in, um, I should say like an imperfect system. And I would say like more often than not, like an, unjust system of how Hollywood can be, you know, discounting uh, people of color, voices of color, international films and whatnot, um, that decenters kind of American film and decenters whiteness and decenters Hollywood. I think it's a huge step. I mean, it was, you know, a first that would hopefully, you know, kind of open the door and be a trailblazer for so many other films. And this is part of why it was so important, not just you know, as a Korean and Korean American is like that door is now open, not just for Koreans, but for so many other people too. like so many other people groups and so many other, you know, ethnicities and where beautiful films are are coming out of. I forget if he said this at the Oscars or at some in some interview, but you know, he was let's just director Bong was like saying, if you can get past what did he say? Like, if you can just get past the one inch down at the bottom of your screen and just read, you know, and just kind of <laughs> like if you can get past the fact yeah. that you can't understand and hear and just read you can open your eyes and open yourselves to such beautiful films outside. And it was just such a, I don't know, mm-hmm. like a, a, a very, um, I think diplomatic is the wrong word, but a very kind of a, a way to say, hey, look beyond just the language that is familiar to you, that you speak and the culture that you're familiar with, because you could really open yourself up to such wonderful, beautiful, meaningful mm-hmm. stories. And so I feel like Parasite was that story of this past year. And so, yeah, when I, I can't lie, I was watching the Oscars. I didn't know how I was going to feel because every part of me was like, don't get your hopes up. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And then all of a sudden it just like starts winning one after another, after another. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is going to happen. Like, could this happen? I'm like, and you know, I was like, no, no. After getting director, I was like, maybe it's going to happen. And then immediately I was like, I don't, I didn't, I don't know what we did. I, well, I know what we did. I was like, I have no plans. I am, we are going out. We are going out for drinks <laughs> right now. And so we went to U district, which is funny. Actually, this is a funny story. Me and a couple of friends, we went out just because we we're like, we got to celebrate. So we got to go. It was a Sunday night. Late at, like we were like we got to go to a Korean restaurant and have like some soju like get some shots and some like, awesome. Korean fried chicken and yeah, yeah. every place we went to they were like sold out of one or the other like we don't have oh. we're, we're all out of fried chicken so we left and then we went to another plot spot and they're like we're all out of alcohol I'm like where are we going we have to find a place I felt very like Harold and Kumarish in that moment like we have to go and we must find a place and, and raise a, and raise a glass for this film so yeah yeah yeah, we absolutely loved Parasite. Um, and the three of us watched Did the you? Oscars together. Oh, Did yeah, you, Jonathan? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to call you out because you, I, come on. You, <laughs> wait, hold on. Okay. Wait a minute. I thought it was okay. Wait, no, I'm not trying I to. I thought it was okay. I'm not trying to start drama on your own podcast, but I just want to let you. <laughs> I, I, I thought you said you're like, it, it, I think the hype kind of killed it for you a little bit, maybe. The hype did kill it. 
for me. But I mean, that doesn't mean that it's it's not a good film. Doesn't mean that it's it's <laughs> it doesn't mean that it's os- not Oscar worthy. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I did like it. Just yeah. to, I'm just know, messing clear, with you. Clear the air there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched the Oscars together, and we were all really excited when Parasite won. We were not expecting it at all. I, I still Nobody have. Did. We should like I don't know insert my reaction because I was jumping and screaming like crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good. I mean, going back to the film, I mean, it was just like a powerful story that you know it was weird even even before watching the film there was so many whether it's fair or unfair but so many comparisons to jordan peele's get out you know and Mm. i think the comparison should be less about well in my estimation it'd be like less about what was a better or worse film i think that's like an unhelpful conversation i think it was just more of wow this film is being compared to what i felt in what was it 2016 when jordan peele's movie get out came i was like this seems like a near perfect film like it was just Mm. so it was so timely and no one has ever done it before. So creative. Mm -hmm. And literally, I mean, he may not attribute it to himself, but for us, our age, like kind of modern day generation would probably say like, you literally created a genre. Like the the genre never existed before you film, but you know, he would, you know, being humble, Jordan Peele would be like, well, you know, I've always taken my inspiration from so many other genres and kind of created, you know, what, now a lot of people have coined as a social thriller that uh, Parasite kind of fell in line with that. There's that enough of humor, enough of a social, uh, definitely so, definitely social commentary. And then that thriller aspect of like, oh my gosh, what are they, what's going to happen to both of these families right now living in one, you know, three families, you know, living in this, in this house. And so um, in that, it just kind of pulls you into uh, essentially a new world. I feel like this kind of social thriller genre that's been, more or less new newly created and kind of cool that people of color you know blazing the trail because one you know who's really wanting to talk about social issues at that Mm -hmm. deeper level you know and then using their creativity and storytelling to create a beautiful story right right and then you know you have you have i'm just gonna say you have white folks you know (laughs) trying to make social thrillers too and it's just it's not working not working like at all like (laughs) The movie The Hunt is terrible, you know. Oh, I, um, yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but no, I, I haven't seen it either. But I can tell you, it's terrible. <laughs> you know, just watching the trailer and even like like reading the reviews and stuff like that, like people don't like it. Um, mm. But I do think social, like this kind of genre that like has kind of like come out of like experiences of people of color, like this like, this genre of social thriller. I feel like is just it's just so inherent to the experiences that we have, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not that we're it's like like Jordan Peele said. Jordan Peele said it's not like he tried to create a new genre. Mm. You know, he was just telling his story, and so yeah, I think it's just a kind of like a repercussion of of, of the ways in which our stories kind of manifest. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of along the lines of Parasite, why do you think that Asian American representation in Hollywood is important? I feel like there's multiple like multiple ways to answer that. I feel like the 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 first thing that just comes to my mind, I feel like this most important thing is our voices matter. Like I think that if you can't value uh, and it begins with like us and I use us very collectively, very broadly speaking, um, if we can't value our own voices and our own stories for ourselves, then nobody else will. Right. Like I don't think, you know, just to be quite blunt is like Hollywood or, you know, white majority media won't care about any Asian, Asian American story if we ourselves don't care about our own stories, you know? So 
I think it matters because that power and the access that Hollywood and media and television and media, you know, television, film and movies have because they have this out, this, this, this far reach, you know, and at this point now it's just beyond, I have to turn on my TV to tune it to the network, whoever has cable anymore, or I have to go and buy a ticket to go watch a movie. Now it's literally like can sit in my house and just click on Netflix or click on Hulu or whatever the case may be and just scroll through what's available. And as I scroll through and I don't see anything that looks like me or represents me, it's it's hard to feel that one, does my story really matter? Like, does anybody really care to see my story? You know, yeah. obviously yeah. others care to see, you know, trash television or trash shows or movies, <laughs> you know, whatever the case may be. But for us and for, you know, a lot of a lot of other people of color, I think that those questions matter. Uh, it matters because, you know, our stories matter. And I think it, again, it, and going, going back to it, it begins with us. I think that's been, you know, something that I've grieved and lamented of kind of the, the, uh, Korean American or like the Asian Asian American kind of experiences. Like I grew up thinking, uh, wanting to be more like quiet under the radar, like don't be loud. Don't do all this kind of stuff. Just kind of, you know, stay in line and do your work and don't just don't go on. You just go unnoticed. That kind of has like seeped into the psyche of how we then think of our stories being portrayed, even on bigger screens. It's like, Oh, does it, does it really matter that, you know, an immigrant story is uh, is told or the central characters are are people of color or Asian American descent. You know, I think that it begins with kind of that like sense of no, our 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 stories do matter and I want to value and uplift these stories and that kind of stuff, you know, has an impact. As as having a two year old daughter, you know, some of the books that we read, you know, um, that we choose to get books that are, you know, feature uh, Asian Americans or like uh, people of color. There's one book called Peeping Pop. That's like her favorite book. Mm. And it just, it, it always lightens, you know, we read the book together and has these pictures and stuff. And she got to a point where when the main character of the story is this little girl and she'll point and she'll go, Zadie, that's me. That's me. And that like, just mm. like, oh, like I didn't grow up reading a book and, you know, a, a child's book and be like, oh, that, that little cartoon looks like me. You know what I mean? So I think that kind of stuff is just empowering for people and does something to us. Do you, you Jess or Larry have questions for Aaron? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why does it matter to you? I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm curious. Why, why does it matter for you all? pretty similar along to like what you said i mean growing up we watched a lot of or what i saw on the screen were a lot of white people and you know growing up in middle school and in high school like i wasn't ever comfortable being asian like i didn't want to be asian i wanted to be white because that's all i saw on tv so you know growing up with kind of like that mentality and just not like embracing my ethnicity, my culture, my heritage is now that I reflect back on it, it's kind of sad that, you know, like I didn't care about it because I wanted to be something else. Like I feel like being Hmong or being Asian, it was just like, oh, it's not cool. So I'm not going to like embrace who I am. But now like growing up and just like learning and reflecting and looking back, I'm just like, it is sad that, you know, I grew up that way, thinking that way. And obviously I have, I have two kids. I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old and I never want them to ever feel like that. Like Mm. I want them to be comfortable in their own skin and who they are and be proud that they have two cultures to celebrate. And Mm. um, yeah. And I feel like now with Asian representation now in media, like my boys, 
will hopefully be able to grow and be like, hey, like I see people like me on the screen and maybe one day I can do something like that. Like if I wanted to, mm-hmm. like it, it wouldn't, they wouldn't have to be like, oh, I'm never going to make it because, you know, like I just don't see myself on the screen. Yeah, I think hearing our stories is very, very important. I'm always a huge sucker for stories and uh, like so many stories out there that, that we just don't hear or that we mm-hmm. just don't ever have... Um, the opportunity to and i guess the one thing that really comes to mind is jonathan and i we watched a movie for our halloween special last year called dearest sister and it was a laotian film and i was like uh, mm. like a film from laos like that's mm. so interesting like, i've wow. never ever ever heard of a film or even heard of a story from from laos i gotta check it out i watched it absolutely fell in love with it i, I loved it a lot i liked it a lot um and, and it's, it's like those kinds of things like those kind of stories those moments where it's like you get to kind of uh, sit down and really get to hear what other people uh, have to say and like everyone has their own different experience everyone grows up uh, having their own story memory whatever to share and it's all unique and some people just need to be able to find the time find the opportunity to be able to uh, share those voices and and like like without it like i wouldn't be here being being able to listen to all sorts of stories all sorts of films all sorts of things so yeah, like I like I'm always I'm always 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 down to uh, broaden my horizon, I guess, broaden my mm. scope on, on onto uh, the kinds of stories like in films that are out there. So, mm. yeah, it's mm. good. Yeah, it's good. I think that like Asian representation is important because I think that like media is so much more impactful than we think it is. And if yeah. uh, white folks are the only ones telling our stories, then mm. that's just the way that people are going to see how Asians are. And, you know, and I, th- I think that that's just not great. <laughs> you know, that, that, that these images or stories are the only ones that people are, are understanding and getting. And so for us to be able to tell our own stories, for Asian Americans to be able to represent themselves and who they are without having to, you know, fake an accent or, you know, without having to be the stereotypical Asian, I think can be quite powerful for someone who's never experienced, you know, like a, another culture, you know, yeah. um, that's the big reason for me is just, you know, movies and TV are both very, very formational things. You know, we grow up and they impact us and, and change the way that we think about things, changes the way that we see the world. And in and of itself is a form of art, a form of storytelling that kind of shapes us. And so it's, it's important to, to have good. that representation. Mm. Yeah. If you had a chance to go back to school and major in film, would you do it? Hmm. And then be a filmmaker and then like, be <laughs> yeah. A- oh, yeah. Wow. That's such a, oh gosh. Could this get me fired if I said that? I don't know. If I did. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, in a, in a weird way, like, you know, just to, uh, if I, I feel like if I said no, then that shuts down the conversation really quickly. So I'll let me just say yes as a way to like explore uh, this alternate universe, which I love films that do that too. Movies that have like multiple universes yeah, going on I at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Butterfly effect and all this kind of, oh, if I did this, where would I be? And so, yeah, so yeah, let's play with that. Um, uh, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily be a good one or a successful <laughs> one, but it would have been fun. It would have been kind of cool. I didn't, again, like the same thing, probably the narrative that you were saying about your boys too, Jess, is like, I I not only didn't do it because, you know, there was a sense of like, oh, gosh, you know, what are the chances of this happening? But I, I couldn't at that time name 
an Asian American, a, a Korean American, let alone an Asian American director at the time, you know, mm-hmm. like it was funny because I could name all my favorite directors during high school. Like I was watching films, even paying attention to directors as early as high school and then through mm-hmm. college too. And like watching films and all of them were mostly like white men, like white directors, you know? And so in that, it just seems like, why would there be room at the table if there's not in, if there's not any room at the table already, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of, I mean, I say that, I say that all to say that's probably what kind of holds you back, but it would have been kind of cool to explore that. And knowing what I know now of the possibilities, it would have been really cool to, to really explore some of, you know, my own story and like, you know, intersecting that with other people's story and, and wanting to, you know, Larry, kind of like what you were saying, just like being able to, you watched a film that you loved and you're like, Laos, like when, when and what world would I have lived in to think that this movie that was deeply formative and shaped me and I loved and enjoyed that I would have imagined came out from Laos. And I think that that could have been really cool. The other cool part too is I don't have a ton of regret because people are doing such amazing things now. Like I'm really encouraged by, you know, quote unquote, younger generation. I don't know if that's even the right term to some directors that are older than me for sure. But now getting to see that the timing of it seems like it's trending upwards in, in a lot of ways. And now people are like, you know, seeing a lot more, obviously the, you know, the internet and everything like that allows for more access to certain types of films and stories being told. I uh, recently at the, I forget, it was like the Seattle Asian American film festival. There was a movie that came out called happy cleaners. And it, uh, it actually was one of the, the, the makers of the film. He, his wife went to quest actually moon kim went to quest and then uh, her brother's son uh, did the audio engineering for it so we went to go support it and uh so my parents i mean still to this day own a dry clean business for almost like over 30 years and mm. i was i saw the trailer i saw the trailer a long time ago actually because son's father was on the elder board at quest and he showed us the pr- the trailer he's like my you know my son <laughs> and my son-in-law made this film and you know we're really proud of them and this was months ago before it kind of got some traction and you know won a few awards and then you know got into a couple of film festivals but um yeah. you know i saw the film i was like uh, we got to go watch this you know this could be my story and just the 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 preview alone like brought like emotional tears to me and i was like i was like mad i was like oh if i was a filmmaker this was the movie i would have made you know something like that <laughs> um i was i was super salty but i got over it really quickly because i was like this is a phenomenal film but what was really powerful is i actually um i brought my parents it was the first movie the only movie i've ever seen with my parents mm. at the movie theater and i was a little naive when I asked them, I was like, hey, in like three, two, three weeks, you guys want to watch this movie? It's about cleaners. They had no idea. They're like, yeah, sure, we're free. It wasn't until the day of, I kid you not, I was like looking forward to it until the day of, I was like completely filled with anxiety because I was like, oh, this was a mistake because this film is <laughs> mm. probably going to expose some like deeper, probably some painful truths. And I have to sit next to my parents <laughs> while oh, I'm man. probably going to see my <laughs> yeah. story on screen <laughs> Of yeah. probably the the jerk teenage kid who's gonna like go off on the parent and be like oh that was me and then now it's awkwardly sitting next to the person that i probably did that to you know and then <laughs> it, it opens up a possible can of worms of what it could have been but it didn't happen i mean there was some tense moments that i kind of had to like look sideways and be like oh you know are they walk <laughs> are they gonna walk out or are they gonna be like why'd you bring me to this film at the end of it i asked both my parents and this was like super powerful i still get emotional i asked my dad i was like how how was it? i told him in Korean, I was like, uh, 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 I was like how, did you, how did you feel? And he said he cried because he was like, that was my story. And I was mm-hmm. just like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. you know, like how much impact it had 
on me. And I was really grateful that um, a lot of the film was also in Korean too. Like the parents were speaking in mm -hmm. Korean um, more often than not. I didn't know if it was going to be completely in English and just like one or two lines in Korean, but the parents mostly spoke Korean to each other. So, so I was just like really meaningful. Like I, I walked away thinking I would have never imagined ever uh, in my life that I would one, watch a film with my parents to watch a film that was about a Korean American family and the central context of it was owning a dry cleaning business, you know, and struggling mm -hmm. as immigrants. So, I mean, I hope that that answers probably the bigger question of like, you know, why do these stories matter? You know, yeah. these are our stories. So, yeah, that's interesting that you say that because I think for us, correct me if I'm wrong, but like movies and films were something that our parents, you know, kind of watched with us a lot. Like mm. we grew up watching Disney films together. My grandparents or our grandparents would always be like watching TV and movies in the background while we're all sitting in the living room together. Mm. I feel like us as a family, um, like the the television was actually something that we kind of gathered around. Um, right. Whether or not we did it intentionally. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Oh, we definitely watch a lot of Korean drama. Like, <laughs> watching watching television at home for sure but going to watch a movie on the big screen mm -hmm. like that was the thing yeah. right because the only movies that were out were like you know there's no korean movies like my parents would be like i can't i won't be able to understand it so why yeah. would I right. go, you know yeah. so um but yeah no i hear you yeah there the tv was on a lot at the house mm. <laughs> any more questions guys or pa do you have any questions for us too gosh yeah i'm 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 curious well, one i'm super encouraged by your guys' podcast. I love what y'all doing on this. It's really cool and awesome. And I'm I'm super juiced just because it's like, oh, Asian Americans talking about, you know, film and movie and our stories at the same time. So I'm just in, super blessed and encouraged by you. I'm curious to know like why you guys even started this in the first place. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> you guys even remember? <laughs> I think we were I think we we're all home at one point. I don't remember what point it was, but we were home. I think we were just sitting around the table just talking about movies and shows and stuff like we normally do. And I think, I don't know who brought it up. We're like, oh, we should start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the trendy thing to do now, start a podcast. So I was like, we should do it since we all love movies and TV. And yeah, yeah. 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 I think, I think yeah. we were like, hey, we should do a podcast. And then we were all like, but what would we do it on? And then we started talking about, like oh yeah tv and film might be good so we just all decided to jump in yeah there you go yeah. yeah that's awesome yeah yeah, yeah. i think it was just kind of a joke and then it turned into something serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've been doing it for a year now yeah that's, yeah, awesome. that's yeah. crazy yeah. Yeah. wow wow congrats that's awesome yeah Thank that's you. awesome okay so your first film if you had the means to make it what genre would it fall under so Jonathan probably doesn't know because I probably never shared this. I, I will have ideas that start off and I'm like, this would be a great idea for a film and then never like <laughs> play out with it. Um, I think, well, one, I have a couple. So this is a lot of pressure by you saying first. So let me just tell you all these. This is all like, I still have the rights to these things if I say this right. Like no one's <laughs> going to sell my intellectual idea. property. It's yeah. like, do I have intellectual property? Like how protected is this? Um, well, no, there's not, there's not much really. Um, I think outside of Harold and Kumar, there has not been like, a really genuine comedy that 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 featured like mm. a couple of asian people like here's the thing i'll just be honest i think asians are some of the funniest people like funniest oh, yeah. people and i'm just oh, in yeah. like there's just not much out there in terms of like comedy on the hollywood stage like some of the funniest things i've seen are all you know outside of kind of mainstream you know what i mean and i get like really encouraged by 
some of the folks who are just kind of, you know, doing it on kind of like the YouTube scale and just doing like small little segments here and stuff. But I, I mean, one, they're probably already going to get there at some point. Someone's going to write them a check and be like, we, we, you got all these millions of people. Let's, let's make your movie. Let's just do it. But some kind of like something in that vein of like a comedy that featured like an Asian American, not just a central character, but a group of Asian American friends or like an Asian American family where the, they are the main characters in like a driving comedy film would be really awesome. I think that'd be really cool. I actually been thinking about this for a couple of years, not in a serious mode, but I thought about a movie and this would be probably dramedy, uh, more drama, but then also comedy too. And Mua, this is not about me. Just letting you know, just a <laughs> thought that I had. So don't put this okay. on like, Oh my okay. gosh, this would be, um, <laughs> about a pastor so a, cur- a clergy person some other pastor of some other person right um <laughs> but that was struggling with their own faith and mm. had to like lead a congregation and try to and had this hard had to manage this hard balance of like i have to be one way for these people to provide hope and answers and whatnot but inside they're even wrestling with themselves and there's a little bit of kind of um imposter syndrome with that and i mm. think it wouldn't just fall just purely as a drama i would want it to be a dramedy because I think that there's a lot of there could be a lot of hilarious moments around a pastor thinking like I don't even know if what I'm about to say I even believe but I'm just gonna have to say what it is and to see yeah. how that's going to help people and in, in in a lot of ways I'm not saying that happens often in this world you know in pastoral ministry but I think there's a lot more like faith and doubt the, the conversation around faith and doubt are a lot more connected mm-hmm. than people might think they're not on yeah. polar opposites I think that the genuineness a person's faith has to be rooted in a lot of doubt and insecurity and i have i honestly probably have no idea what the heck i'm doing most of the time or what i'm saying but i'm i'm still here like i'm still showing up and i think i've seen that complexity done that um that kind of dynamic that belief and unbelief type of dynamic had in movies and in storylines whether it's in relationships, you know, like two people, we love each other, we hate each other. Uh, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? This is, you know, ebb and flow through it. But I've never seen it done with like a, like a pastor. Like, mm. But nobody wants to watch it. I don't know if anyone wants to watch it. <laughs> That's um, not true. I don't know. Um, but I think that'd be kind of funny. So I don't know. Um, those are a couple of things. I Genre-wise, I, I love all genres though, Larry. Like there's, there's uh, outside horror. of the horror, except the horror. <laughs> But see, here's the thing is I got a love-hate relationship with horror because I'll go watch it again, hoodie on, and just like only watch this much of it and be terrified about it. But yeah. Who knows? Like those those ideas could become reality. So Yeah. Uh, like like straight up, I would love to see those films. They sound amazing. Mm. Like, they sound absolutely amazing. Like, oh my god, I'm really excited. <laughs> Getting me hyped up. <laughs> Larry, man, Larry, Larry, you get the actors and the director and you can bankroll it, then we'll make it happen, man. Let's let's <laughs> We'll make it happen. No, that's oh, great. Man. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, PA, yeah, for no, thank you all for having taking me. time to come and chat with us. One final question, since it is APIA Heritage Month, yeah. for those of us, or for those of you who are listening, or for our listeners, I guess, if you could recommend one film for the month of APIA Heritage Month, what film would it be? Oh, gosh. One film? Oh. Yeah. Um. Like more recent, like more for just in general or in general, uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to break your rule because I feel like it's just too unfair. <laughs> okay. uh, it's just too unfair. 
personally, like the two, the two films, I, I think they're still on Netflix. I'm not sure, but I think they're still on Netflix. But yeah, that I just really loved was uh, Soul Searching and was Gook, those two films. And, hmm. uh, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely centered on more of like the uh, Korean, Korean experience, uh, Soul Searching, more of the, like the second generation Korean diaspora story of Korean Americans, Korean Mexicans, Korean Germans, all going to Korea to try to find like, what does it mean to truly be you know, Korean fill in the blank, um, uh, which was really like such a beautiful film too. That was another really powerful, yeah, kind of fell into that dramedy. Like it was hilarious. Like I'm, I'm crying <laughs> laughing so much and I'm also crying in tears because it was just so right. moving and impactful right. too. It was one of the best movies that could do that to me emotionally, which I thought was just super powerful. But, uh, and then Gook was just like, just be- another beautifully shot film i think it's all in black and white i think the whole film is in black yeah. and white and uh just the korean perspective or the asian americans perspective during the la riots and just the complexity around that it wasn't just um you know a purely uh, a white and black conflict and uh, an injustice but there were other uh, ethnic groups particularly in in the LA riots uh, in Koreatown that got um, some of the most damage, if not the most damage in that time. And so that's, that's another uh, kind of more of a gut wrenching, hard and painful story. But um, yeah, those are the two that probably I would recommend for APIA month and celebrating our stories and kind of knowing our history and and whatnot would be, uh, would be those two films. Yeah. We're actually, um, we watched soul searching for um, one of our podcasts. So. Oh, you did. Oh, I gotta check that out. Okay. We'll be talking about it. Okay. Or we talked about it. Yeah. It'll be up. Oh, okay. Yeah, it'll, it'll be, be up. up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it'll yeah. be up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's for this month. Oh, yeah. Gosh, I would, man, I can't wait to listen to that. I do. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure, so. for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Pastor Aaron. Yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time to you know um, come out and chat with us again for yeah, just talking about movies and you know, growing up on TV and film. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, yeah. thanks again for, for having us. And there's no better way to go through a pandemic and coronavirus than just like, let's just talk about the things that give us life right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I appreciate that. Thanks again for having me. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. The month of May is Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. And this month we will be discussing topics about Asian slash Asian American films, TV shows, music, and even an episode with our parents. And for this episode, we will be continuing our conversation on the Asian American experience. So the first topic that we have on our list are uh, Asian or so issues in Asian American Hollywood. And I guess one of the first things that came up is uh, Duo Moa. He is an actor in Gran Torino and in the supposed to be released Mulan. He was, he's also in that film. And also, we want to talk about Brenda's song um, within, I can't remember when, but recently, um, after Crazy Rich Asians, I think there was an article that came out, or some kind of tweet that came out, I can't remember what came out first, but they mentioned that, um, you know, Brenda wasn't allowed, quote unquote, to audition for Crazy Rich Asians. And then there was a, another podcast that Dua Moa was on, and someone asked a question about um, that as well, like if he was even able to audition or even just, you know, be mentioned for, you know, for casting. And he said they wouldn't bring him in because he was Hmong, 
It was the same thing for Brenda's song. They wouldn't bring her in because she was Mong slash Mong Thai. And then when Brenda's song was interviewed by Teen Vogue, she said, A lot of people don't know this, but I never got to read for Crazy Rich Asians ever. She was also a big fan of the books, and she asked her managers if she could get a meeting or an audition for any possible part. Her managers came back with her with a message from Crazy Rich Asians that she wasn't right for a role in their eyes. And then she goes on saying, their reasoning behind that was that my image was basically not Asian enough. She said it broke her heart. So she also mentions, she said, this character is in her late to mid-20s, an Asian American, and I can't even audition for it. I've auditioned for Caucasian roles my entire life, but this specific role, you're not going to let me do it. You're going to fault me for having worked my whole life. I was like, where do I fit? And I, I think this was all on Twitter. And John Chu, the director of Crazy Rich Asians, he denied the accusation. And he said, would these words ever come out of my mouth? Nope, that makes no sense. I feel horrible that she thinks this is the reason. The fact is, I love Brenda Song and that I am a fan. I didn't need her to audition because I already knew who she was. One of my favorite memories of Crazy Rich Asians was when we opened the auditions to anyone in the world with our open call. We watched hundreds and hundreds of videos from very talented people around the world. This made us tear up many times. So what do you guys think about the this issue here? I haven't read the description and I don't really know the story of Crazy Rich Asians. The book, not the movie. I've seen the movie, but like I'm sure the movie like portrays the book as much as they can. But I just wanna know what your guys' thoughts on this. Like Asian other Asians not being able to portray, I guess, another Asian of a different race or or ethnicity. What do you guys think about that? Jonathan? (laughs) You want me to go first? (laughs) Do you have anything? (laughs) Um, Yes. But I think it's just, I think it's just such a complicated and really deep problem. You know, like it manifests in in Asian American Hollywood, but then it's also a problem just anywhere else. Like Mm -hmm. for example, when I went to UC Davis for undergraduate, I took an Asian American study course. Taking that class, there were so many like negative statistics of Southeast Asian Americans, especially Hmong people, high school dropout rate, like Hmong Americans that have a higher education degree, you know, all these things, you know? And so like, Taking that course opened my eyes to a whole, like, basically, how do Asians see other Asians in this sort of, you know, like, thing. For mm-hmm. us, in particular, I think I think I mentioned this last time, is just our socioeconomic status is a little higher than your, quote, average Hmong American, because both our parents work. When both of our parents graduated high school, they got jobs right away. And so, like, they had somewhat of an education. But the majority of like first generation Hmong immigrants who came here did not have the opportunity to get that education. And so then fell upon government aid and um, and had to live in poorer neighborhoods, which also led to increased crime rate and gang violence and involvement and all that stuff. And so I feel like Hmong people just kind of had the bad end of the stick, like, you know, period. You know what I mean? Um, and this is being reflected, I think, in Asian American Hollywood. Because Brenda Song and Dua Mua are both Southeast Asian, more specifically Hmong American, they don't fit 
the image of what it's like to be the model minority, what it's like to be East Asian, you know what I mean? And so it's hard for them to be considered for those roles. Like, I could easily imagine Brenda Song in one of the support roles. Brenda Song could have been um, Constance uh, Wu's, not Constance Wu's, Henry Golding's, like, best friend who gets married, right? Um, Yeah. Like, she could have played that or one of her, one of the best friend's bridesmaids or something like that. Like, right. you know, she got, um, Constance Wood got backstabbed by so many people in that film. Like, especially the women. Like, Brenda Song could have easily played one of those characters, you know? Right. Um, but she wasn't even considered. And so, like, for me, like, that really just breaks my heart that this is her experience. And I'm, I'm sorry, John, John Chu, you're great, but I'm going to take my sister Brenda's uh, <laughs> her word over yours, you know? Um, right. And... Yeah, and to think that Dua Moa also had that same experience, you know? It wasn't just Brenda Song. Like, it was also Dua Moa who, yeah. like, like he's Mong. He also tried, wasn't considered, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it sucks. And and I think that that's just the reality of... of, of Asian-American yeah, Hollywood. Asian-American <laughs> Hollywood right now. Right. Um, yeah. Right. I... I think the hard part is, like, you want to be able to be as authentic, I guess. But I feel like with as um, with a movie and a story like Crazy Rich Asians, like, anyone who, who guess, quote-unquote, is a light Asian, like, colored, light-skinned Asian, you know what I mean? They could have they so been me. in that movie. So, so not like a dark-skinned Asian? But <laughs> yeah, not you. Basically, basically. Yeah, basically. There's no such like, thing, what? Yeah, yeah. Because if you look at that movie, like, everyone is pretty light and yeah nice. except and, for the the gay cousin yeah 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 um except for him yeah like everyone there is pretty light skinned like lighter yeah. golden tone you know what i yeah, mean yeah. not like really really dark so like yeah. i feel like yeah anyone could have played her any of the characters you know what i mean and it, it does really suck that you know, they weren't even able to audition, which I think is ridiculous because of that quote, that tweet that John Chu tweeted. He's like, oh, we saw so many auditions, blah, 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 videos. But it's like, okay, but why didn't you even let, like, if you know who she is, like, why wouldn't you even let her, like, audition or even read for it? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If she read and wasn't the right fit, then at least, you know, you know. But now, like, you never would have known if she was the right fit or not. Like, she could have been. So, yeah, yeah, but what I was going to say is, like, yeah, like, anyone could have, light-skinned Asian could have played anyone in that, in in the char- any of the characters, but I think for more, like, specific, like, story-wise, like, say, if the story was about a, I don't know, Chinese-American family, like, yeah, of course, you probably might want to be authentic as you can portraying, like, an Asian-American family, or, like... Like, you want to be authentic, but then you also want to be able to, like, I don't know, give opportunity to people, like, especially for, like, Asian American actors who never got the opportunity, and then to even go and, like, deny them the opportunity. It's just like, okay, this is, like, white Hollywood all over again, you know right, what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. 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 What are your thoughts, Larry? Yeah, it's a little weird, because, like, like, the first thing that comes to mind is, in China, um, Takeshi Kaneshiro, like, he's... He's Japanese, but he plays a lot of like Chinese characters, you know, that from films that are made in China, like uh, when we got married and House of Flying Daggers. Like he plays like a Chinese character, um, and so it's weird how like they're okay with that, you know, because he he filled he filled in the roles in the shoes pretty well, which was great. He did a great job. I think he's um, mixed too. 
Yeah, I think so, so too. They think have nice. they have like a more of a tolerance, I guess. You know. Okay. If 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 he's mixed, they're more tolerable, I guess. Yeah. 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 The more okay. tolerant towards him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They they I claim just, him. <laughs> yeah. It's it, it did seem a little odd why um why they would do that, but at the same time, I think I understand. It, it's I remember reading a quote right, Jessica, from the thing you sent from Duomua. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like ultimately, like it's a business. Like, if you don't look, if you don't have that look, if you don't fit into what they're particularly looking for, like you're just not going to get it. Um, and that's the unfortunate part, especially because with a company that size, especially for even something like Crazy Rich Asians, because it's such a gamble already, you know. Um, right. And I, I think they wanted to play it like super duper safe. Like, you know what? We're just gonna lock out all the Hmong people and <laughs> audition everyone. Else. Shake my head. Shake my damn head. <laughs> yeah, and That's I think right. it's funny because, like, Asians are the only minority group who do this. Like, we have this, like, big problem of wanting to, like, be still be unique and still be, like, who we are. You know what I mean? There's this right. weird sort of pride thing where, like, yeah, um, there's this college humor skit called, like, Are You Asian Enough? And it's these four Asian Americans who are, like, basically judging people on how Asian they are and if they get to claim the identity of being Asian. Um, right. And I feel like it's, it's funny, but it's also true that Asian Americans are, are, like, the only people who do this, you know? Um, it's like, oh, that person's not Asian enough or this person's, you know, too Asian slash too fob, you know? Like, mm-hmm. um, fob meaning fresh off the boat. Like, too, mm-hmm. like, they're they're not American enough or, like, or they're too white or they're not Asian enough, you know? Like, whereas, like, at the end of the college humor skit, they talk about black people and, like, uh, with the black people, it's like, oh, yeah, my my great-great-great-grandma was black. And then they all look at each other and they look at the person and they say, you're black, you know? Whereas, like, the Asian people, we have a hard time, like, deciphering whether or not someone gets that title, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless, like, you're famous and then you can claim it. Like, Bruce Lee <laughs> is mixed, but we all claim him as, you know, super Asian. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this other Asians portraying other Asians. It's always right. going to be, I feel like it's going to be like a weird touchy subject in like Asian American Hollywood. Right. And, and the yeah. ironic thing is that in Crazy Rich Asians, you have the quote wrong Asian because there are like, there's Ken Jong is in there and he plays a Singaporean Chinese person and he's yeah. not Singaporean Chinese, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, there's, there's still that problem. Now you're just choosing people based on like, popularity popularity yeah. do people know them you know like are they marketability yeah. yeah 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 like connections and stuff like that too and so yeah but the crazy thing is like brenda song like people know who she is she was on the disney channel you right. know what i mean right yeah exactly. but i don't know if it could have been like her reputation or i mean i don't think she's had a bad reputation i don't think so either she's had I don't a very think clean so. like post-Disney, like, you know, like... Life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. It's such a weird thing. I guess we'll never know the actual details behind, like, their decision. But, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, So, another thing I want to mention is also (laughs) popular Asians taking all of the roles. (laughs) So, I guess guess a popular Asian-American right now would be Aquafina. 
which she now has her own show on Comedy Central, and she was also Crazy Rich Asians. She was recently in uh, Jumanji. I'm trying to think what else she was the in. Farewell. The Farewell. So she's very popular right um, now and very cool. I, I don't know. I guess you could say in demand, right? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. and especially since I mean, after Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, yeah, especially after that. And um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what, who else. I put down Constance Wu, but I'm like, I don't know. She hasn't really had any other movies besides after Crazy Rich Asians. It was Hustlers. But then she also had this huge thing with like Fresh Off the Boat, like this. Did you guys hear about that? Nope. Where she was basically, I don't want to say trash talking, but she was just like, she was basically like done with like fresh off the boat. Mm, And then I don't know how many months after she said that, then fresh off the boat got canceled. (laughs) So people were saying like, oh, like now I bet you she's relieved because she can do all these other things. You know, basically she was saying she felt like fresh off the boat was kind of like holding her back from being able to do different projects. I'm like, oh yeah, I get that. So Mm Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know if Constance Wu has any other things coming up. But um, do you guys? Can you guys think of anyone else who is popular and taking all the roles besides Aquafina right now? I'm trying to think of like Asian male actors, but I'm right. drawing a blank. I mean, like you used to have like Jet Li and Jackie Chan, kind of like right. But then they're kind of ending the. They're kind of nearing yeah. the end of their yeah. careers acting wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely I, I always saw Jackie Chan as kind of like that token Asian American, like Kung Fu dude, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And then like Jet Li was also kind of that, um, mm-hmm. the sad thing I guess is that like, they don't really have any like people who are like predecessors, like not right. predecessors, like people who are coming up after them, you know, right. yeah. who are like, like, like successors almost. Yeah, successors of, of their like legacies and stuff like that. Like that's the sad part. And like you see people like Donnie Yen who are trying really hard to, you know, like kind of make it into the film industry or whatever. But the only people who are giving him a chance is Disney. Like nobody else is really giving yeah. him a chance on anything else. Like Mar, like even Marvel doesn't give, give him a chance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not in, um, yeah. It's, I don't think so. Yeah, he's in he's in Mulan. Yeah. He plays the general. And he was also in Star Wars. So yeah, I feel like Disney's doing a pretty good job, like spreading the love, you know. They also <laughs> got what was the name Kelly Tran? Yeah. To play Star Wars. Yeah, to she play in Star, Star Wars, Wars as well. And so yeah, they're definitely spreading the love. But everybody else is just like, Oh, there's only one Asian that we can get to play this. <laughs> Yeah, I guess your next best bet would be like John Cho. Yeah, he's kind of been around, I can see that. but um, I think he's Steven, starting to kind of yeah, s- starting Yen. to get there. He is. Um, Yun, Yen, I don't Yen. think the grudge helped, but um, <laughs> <laughs> searching, searching, yeah, searching was really good. Was um, really good. Yeah, so I, I think there, there's still some room, but um, like if anything, like people are going to cast John Cho for whatever they need an Asian, <laughs> an Asian looking guy, they'll cast John Cho. Yeah, it used to be like B.D. Wong, too. Like B.D. Wong used to always be in TV shows and played the Asian lawyer or the Asian doctor or, you know, like something Mm -hmm. like that. I loved him in Law and Order, man. He was the best. And then then he left and I was like, Mm -hmm. no. And then he was in Jurassic Park, like when they remade it. Jurassic World. 
Yeah, Jurassic World. So he's, I've never he's seen in any those. of those. I haven't seen that. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's continuing his character. And then he's also Aquafina's dad in Nora from Queens. <laughs> <laughs> it's random. <laughs> yeah, so, see? Yeah, B- so B.D. Wong is taking all the roles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I think he was... Have you guys heard of the show Mr. Robot? Yeah. yeah. With, yeah, it's um, on Amazon. Rami, Rami Malek. Yeah, B.D. Wong is also in that show, too, but oh, I don't remember his character. Mm-hmm. I've only um, seen season one. Yeah, I, th- I think he... I don't know if he's, like, later on, maybe in season two. Um, yeah, so maybe B.D. Wong is taking up all the... <laughs> yeah. Okay, so no, no, there's this go-to Japanese guy that everyone uses. Oh, my God, what's his name? He was in uh, Godzilla. The guy who plays um, uh, Shang Tsung in Mortal Kombat? No, 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 not, not him, not him. <laughs> Man in High's Castle. He's in that one too, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I know you're talking about. Okay, so yeah. there's, there, I swear, there's a Godzilla film. He was also in um, Pacific Rim. He was in uh, The Last Samurai as well. So this Japanese guy, like, they always use him every single time. Yeah. I gotta look up his name now. It's gonna when, bug me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Zhang Ziyi's used to always take... Yeah. She used to always take the... Because she was in Memoirs Asian of a Geisha. Rim. Yeah, and Rush and Hour. Then, and she was also in uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> she was popular for a little bit, too, here. Yeah. In the okay, States. Uh, but now she kind of, like, disappeared. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his name is uh, Ken Watanabe. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Ken he was Watanabe. In... Ken Watanabe. He, they used him in, in everything. Hmm? Is he in Inception? Is that the same guy or is it a different guy? Uh, no, I, no, it's him in Inception. Oh, okay, Inception, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, Ken Watanabe is in, in is in everything. That's true. What's he is. What's the guy who plays Shang Tsung in Mortal Kombat? He's also in everything. I wouldn't say he's in everything, but I was happy to see him in Man in High Castle. I can tell you that. <laughs> he's in Man in High. Wasn't he also in, in Heroes? Or am I thinking of someone else? No, you're thinking of someone else. I think you're trying to think of um. Like Masioka's dad or something. That's probably who you're thinking of. It's funny because like we were talking about like popular Asians taking all the roles, but I feel <laughs> I feel like that's it's similar in K dramas too. Like I see a lot of the same actors and actresses in like the dramas I watch. I'm like, hey, I recognize yeah. you. Like you were here. Like and now you're there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's yeah. I th- are you still looking at people? I am. His name is Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa. Yeah, I see him a lot. Yeah, really? Like, <laughs> I was looking through his list. The only thing... <laughs> or He does a lot of voice acting like in between his stuff. He does a lot of voice acting. So I was like looking at it. I was like, oh, he plays like that really old Ch- Asian Chinese guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll voice act those kind of roles. Um, he that's just funny. has that voice. So that's, that's probably funny. You know who else is also taking all the roles is C. Ma. Is that his name? How do you pronounce his name? You guys know I, who I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know who you're talking about. He was, uh, he was dang, wasn't he in the dad in Rush Hour or am I tripping? <laughs> yeah, he's, he, no, he, yeah, he's the dad. Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, he is the dad in Rush Hour. Right? Rush hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's yeah. in there. And then yeah. uh, he's he was recently in the movie that I just watched, Tiger Tail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, they're reusing a lot of yeah. actors. And I'll, if anything, I'm hoping they reuse Steven Yuen because, you know. Yeah, yeah, I really like yeah. him as an actor, but I think he's doing a good job. He's, like, very picky about what he's doing. Like, okay, Steven, we want you to play, like, this Taekwondo martial artist from Korea. <laughs> like, he ain't gonna pick that. <laughs> Any more popular Asians? That's all I can think about right now. There's not a lot of women. Well, we're but starting I feel to see like... them now a little bit. Just a, little a little bit. bit. 
Well, they still use Michelle Yeoh. She's kind of old now, but they still yeah. use her for <laughs> She's everything. She's kind of old now. She is. She's kind of getting old older now. now. Which is fine. Like, you know, people get older. <laughs> Has she been in th- anything recently? I can't Crazy remember. Crazy Rich Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess so. She's the Well, Madre. actually, Henry Golding, I feel like, has been in... Has been... I guess, quote-unquote, in demand, too. Yeah, oh, okay. similar to Aquafina, like, after yeah. Crazy, Crazy Rich Asians, and he got oh, really okay. popular. Yeah, because he's in that one Christmas movie, Last Christmas, and then he's also in this Guy Ritchie film as well. Okay. So, yeah, I guess you could say he's not with, a popular The one Asian. with Anna Kendrick? I don't know, is it? I, I have I don't know. What, he, what did, he did a movie with Anna Kendrick. The Gentleman. It's called The Gentleman. Oh, no, no, no. I'm thinking of that movie he did with Anna Kendrick. And, um, Anna Kendrick? Yeah, didn't he do a movie where it's like this like thriller? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, a simple favor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what I'm thinking. That, you looked at yeah. me like I was crazy. No, because I was thinking <laughs> of the Christmas movie he did. I was like, that's not Anna Kendrick. I was like, that's Amelia Clark. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So I guess they're writing off the high of well. Crazy now that you mentioned Amelia Clark, like if anything, that's pretty much just what the nature of Hollywood is. Like they'll just grab onto any like up and rising, really popular star just because they're from a, a familiar franchise. They're like, oh, this person, I've seen this person in in, in this show, in this show, and they're like, right. That's what they're, they're pretty like, much oh, doing with all the Asians yeah, here. Yeah, they can make us some money, mm-hmm. even if the yeah. movie's bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyone else? No. Well, we're still talking about. Issues in Asian American. film industry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, not, I don't want to say issue, but another topic I wanted to discuss was dominant Asians in the film industry. So, we see this very often with Koreans, Chinese, Japanese, Indian. And then we also have listed Thai and Indonesian, which I don't know too much about. But as we can see with, with like, Parasite, and then there's a lot of, like, I guess, what's... Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, that was considered, like, Chinese, right? It is like, Chinese. It was Chinese-made, right? Um, so, like, that. And then there's movies, like, for Japanese, like, movies like The Grudge that get remade into, like, American, American. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then there's also... Uh, well, well, back oh, then, ahead. subtitles weren't really a thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they had to, like, re-release it for, like, you know, other audiences properly. I think that's why. The general public or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Good, good, good luck doing that with Crouching Tiger, okay, Hollywood? Yeah. Try to remake Crouching Tiger with... <laughs> Let's not even talk about Crouching Tiger and Dragon Part 2. That's just not... Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Okay, Jess, go ahead. Oh, and then uh, another, I guess, a very popular film industry would be Bollywood. So, from India. I feel like it's been, like, the biggest... I could be wrong. It's, I think it's the still biggest. the second biggest. Yeah, that's yeah. like the biggest. I I, I, would, I would say biggest from like the Asian countries. Oh yes. Would mm-hmm. you guys say? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like be popping out movies Everything. like all the time. Three hour long epics. Yeah, it's it's wild how long Bollywood films are. They're like three hour long. They're good, but they're so long. Um, but yeah. Anyways, so just wanted to talk about like these dominant, um, I guess, Asian film industries. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and go first. Okay. Um, the first big one, obviously, I mentioned earlier already, um, is when they decide to remake the story in another setting. I don't know of, of any good remake examples, though. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes, like, the story can get lost in translation at times. But sometimes, like, it gets remade so many times, like, the story's so universal, everyone can do it. An example is Shudder. 
Um, Jonathan and I watched it for our last Halloween special. That movie has been remade into an American film and into a Bollywood film too. And it's been remade again, I think, in another <laughs> as another <laughs> Bollywood film. So it's like, uh, sometimes, like, if it's so good and it's so popular, they're like, you know what? Like, I think we can retell this story um, and I think people will like it. I think people will love it. So that way, it, it kind of feels like it, it's kind of in their shoes. And for some reason, I can only think of really bad examples, okay? So <laughs> we got Death Note, the Netflix original film. And Death Note was adapted from an, an from an animated series. has like a 70-something episode series, maybe shorter. I don't remember. Um, and they've made some Japanese live-action films on it. And then they decided to remake a, a live-action version. Uh, Netflix decided to do an original adaptation of it. And it was just bad, just all around. And it wasn't necessarily because of how they did it. It was more about like the core story itself. Like, if you want to translate it directly, it just wouldn't work. Like, you have to take a lot of liberties, and you have to really think about how you can turn it to where it's understandable from uh, an American culture. I watched this guy, he critiqued on it, and the biggest thing he was saying was that um, in Death Note, the main character, he's like a really, really smart character. Like, he's kind of like a mastermind kind of character. He's always thinking ahead, and he's doing really great in school, like, really good grades, right? And the thing is, like... Um, education is really highly regarded in, in Asian cultures and Asian countries too. And so he had that. But then when you transfer it to an American culture, it's like, well, it, it wasn't that big in American culture, like education studies. Like no one did that in like high school rom-com films or whatever, you know, all you see are the jocks and the cheerleaders, you know, that's the kind of stereotypes you see in high school. So you can't translate that too well from that kind of story to bring it over to what we see right now into our own culture here. And so um, I, I guess when it comes to like uh, these films, a lot of them will just kind of look at it and say like, hey, you know, I think we can try to redo it. But sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But like, to be honest, bro, just slap, just slap subtitles onto it. Like you're really only you're really only going to get those kinds of people anyway who are really interested into it. Um, otherwise, like, yeah, uh, there are times where films would make or these films do make a huge impact on the industry especially if they're popular in their area their region other people are going to start looking at it like you know what i think we can do it too i think we can try it out too you know so mm-hmm. i can think of a positive example of a remake a good remake the departed Ooh. uh the, okay they did a good job but it did feel very one for one what do you mean every minute from the departed was like a minute taken from infernal affairs oh really i haven't seen infernal affairs yeah i I, i've seen both i've seen both that's why um the departed is really good though like really freaking great great movie um infernal affairs is just as good too um and i think uh scorsese i I believe he made it uh Mm -hmm. scorsese he did a good job translating that into something mob where like yeah mafia mob any mm-hmm. organized crime, you can do it with anything, really. Um, yeah. But he did a really good job translating that into uh, American culture because that's how they would see it. And Chinese culture sees their triad organized crime differently, too. So he did a great job doing it. But um, it was one for one, though. Like, if anything, that's my only issue. It's like they definitely could have taken a few liberties here and there. But, yeah, it just felt like they just rehashed it and slapped DiCaprio on it. And um, what, Matt Damon? Is Matt Damon in it? <laughs> I think so. Mark it's... Wahlberg. Yeah, no, Matt Damon, Jack thing. Nicholson, Mark Wahlberg, yeah, Martin mm-hmm. Sheen, all the big names. All the big names, yeah. 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 Like, yeah. like I said, it's still a great film, but I do, do feel like it right. was a one for one Right, but then like the majority of American remakes are pretty bad. And I'm thinking yes. especially the horror ones. Like, you know, like uh, The Grudge. It got su- remade twice. With Sarah Michelle <laughs> yes. Gellar. Yeah. Terrible. Yep. The Grudge. The 2020 
terrible. Super bad. The only thing that was good was the music. Shout out to the Newton brothers. Um, the ring, like, pretty bad, too. So, yeah. Uh, there, I wonder why, like... No, no, there, there, was, a, um, there was a horror movie that, about mirrors. I think it was a Korean horror movie. They translated that. They, they made an American remake of it. Are you, are you guys familiar with that? Mm-mm. They they did I'm... remake a tale of two sisters, yeah, and that was pretty bad. I think that was the yeah. uninvited. Yeah, yeah. Watch the Korean wonder... one. Yeah, I wonder why. Like a lot of I guess American or Hollywood decides that they want to do a lot of like adaptations of horror. It's always horror, right? Mostly, mm-hmm. I've only ever seen horror. Never like a drama or comedy like i don't even think they would touch that humor is definitely really different <laughs> yeah like yeah, culturally yeah it, yeah it would be difficult to convey but yeah even drama i think they could adapt that easily but then again it's also unless it's very like the culture is like completely different you'd have to really change the story yeah wasn't yeah. um that one movie with keanu reeves and uh it's called lake house oh, oh yeah sandra bullock lake yeah, house it was, is it was originally a korean drama yeah, yeah. oh really yeah okay yeah. Mm-hmm. i liked i liked the lake house i can't remember it that well but i remember liking it mm-hmm. i didn't love it but i liked yeah. it mm-hmm. yeah so there are some exceptions i think but uh um, yeah most of the time yeah they just it's don't bother touching horror, it yeah Mostly. Well, that, those are the ones we remember, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are a bunch more. But... Like, like we're not going to get a uh, remake of Battle Royale. Um, Hunger Games doesn't count. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, or, like, any of those classic cult films, you know? Like, we're not going to see that, so. Yeah. It's interesting that we get a lot of films from South Korea, China, japan and india there are so many countries obviously in asia and i don't know it's almost kind of sad that we don't really get to see a lot of films from different countries i'm sure they do make them you know what i mean but they're just not as popular and then i mean obviously we've seen like mong movies but they're not the best (laughs) you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it's like i'm just wondering when do you think like the mong and like movie industry would uh, like be a part of this conversation I feel like we're getting there. Um, yeah. Yeah, we just don't have a lot of, like, up-and-coming talent that's, like, on-screen and off-screen. And it's, I think it's also, like, the the idea of, like, resources and stuff like that, too. You know? Like, we just mm-hmm. don't... We don't have the resources. We don't have the connections. And I think, I think that's difficult. Um, yeah. Our closest thing to, um, the I guess... The movie industry. <laughs> is uh music videos and i don't know if y'all want to see that stuff <laughs> do we i don't like, know KLS no, and stuff? they're they're like uh well they're actually they look okay like yeah, they there's look some decent w- music videos they out there. look like they're really well done produced but um the actual storytelling in it you might not get that much out of it you know but the one that the family they did a rap music video that was pretty good. They covered a yeah, song. Yeah, but I don't think like it was six their years own ago. <laughs> yeah, but even then, like six years ago, you watch it today and it's still pretty good. You know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just gonna Would, take a minute. Yeah. Would you guys remake any of the Hmong movies that we've seen? Yes. Growing up. <laughs> yes. Two. What would, two would remake? Remake. what would you remake? What would you remake? One. Joplala. 
I would definitely <laughs> remake that because I, I I think I can do it. I think I can remake it. I'm very positive I can remake it. Uh, the second <laughs> one. It's gonna be like the Mong sh- Short Term Twelve. It's exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, that would be my big inspiration. So. I don't even remember it that well. I just remember certain scenes. Like I, they have I don't it on YouTube if you line. really want to watch it, but mm. you probably shouldn't watch it. It's, really <laughs> it's too cringy. It's like okay, like a good half of the movie is like freaking music video moments. Right. Like, like, like really what? sad. They wanted okay, to be Bollywood, like, but they couldn't. It's like characters. Like so for example, like the son, like he would go through something. And then he would think about, like, his good memories with his dad. And you hear, like, a Hmong song playing in the background for a good three minutes, three, four <laughs> minutes. And he's reminiscing. I'm like, uh, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so, like I said, like, a good half of the film is a music video. But it's not a very long film. It's only, like, 70, 80 minutes long. But yeah. weren't there a lot of parts, though? Well, there's, like, sequels. Yes, yeah, there's, there's a like, lot of five, sequels. Yeah. There's six. Okay. I think there's six. Oh, my cause, God. Because <laughs> they're supposed to follow each of the kids. That's why. Yeah. Um, yeah, that which is cool. I, I thought that was really yeah, cool. Yeah, that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, because the the one you guys know, the one where they're in the mountains and the 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 um what the girl falls on like falls yeah. on chips or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the third one. But you guys didn't know that. That's the third one. <laughs> <laughs> what's the, what's the other Hmong movie you would remake? The one with uh, Ishining in it? Oh, that one's a good one too. <laughs> <laughs> so there's three. No, there's three. <laughs> Dude, I would totally remake Yi Shining. Heck yeah. Um, I think it's Gei Yongyi. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Love ain't simple. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I don't remember that one. I just you, remember you know, the song. Do you at least know the Yi Shining song? Yeah, I know Yi Shining. Yeah. Yeah, I d- <laughs> I, but that's like the only thing I remember is a song. <laughs> that's a good song, man. It's, <laughs> I it's, still listen to it. It's a banger. If, if I remember, the, okay, right if I remember the story correctly, okay? <laughs> It's about this dude. They like live in like Mong Tai Tai Mountains or something, right? <laughs> and then, um, I don't quite remember what happens, but the dude comes back home with like some other chick, and then he's supposed to be with like another another girl, but um, like her mom doesn't approve of that or something, and so they kind of get into this huge drama, dramatic moment stuff. <laughs> um, and that's pretty much the rest of the story. It kind of goes back and forth between the two main characters. And the movie ends with the Ishi Nang music video song. So <laughs> now you gotta insert it right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a good song, y'all. Um, it's but a the good third song. one is any of the um, the Vietnam War Hmong films that we made. Yeah, we made a shit. See, movie. yeah. Any See, of that's what I'm saying. Like, remember when we were talking about like a possible movie that we mm-hmm. would want to write? I think that would be a very good film because we haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. You're talking about like the Hmong Chao Fa movies? Yeah, any of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would do any of them. Yeah, I think it would be a very interesting story because we haven't heard it. We've read parts here we've and read, there and, we, yeah. and we've anything, heard from like yeah. parents and stuff and yeah. other people, but there's no no actual movie about it. I think it'd mm-hmm. be very, very cool yeah. to see that. One of the only ones that I've seen that actually like think has a lot of potential is spirit beside me um, yeah i don't know if you guys have seen it yet or I think watched I saw... all of it was it i think it was i think i might have seen like a teaser or something yeah I, it was like very short yeah the... i think it was a teaser there's a pilot episode out 
I just wish it didn't bait switch me like it did. <laughs> yeah, like, like like I said, I was telling you they should have just made it into a movie. It's, they already got twenty minutes in. I don't know. They had another three three twenty minute sections. I'm I'm okay <laughs> with it, you know. Yeah, they they should have just kept it for what it was. I didn't like the bait switch, but um. Is it because they just don't have funding, or yeah, the, there's just no funding for it. Oh, okay. Really yeah. They kickstarted it. I think they only made the pilot with yeah, the kickstarter. They kickstarted the the reason why they did the Kickstarter was because they wanted to see how much money they could raise. If they could raise a whole bunch, then they would have made the entire thing. But then yeah. because they only made uh, their okay. goal, they only they could only make a pilot and then like use the pilot as like as like a pitch, you know, as a part of a yeah. pitch to people yeah. to help green light it. But yeah. They um, weren't able to get anything. Do, do you remember seeing their concept? Their they, concept they trailer con- is a lot yeah. better than the actual I agree. <laughs> I, I think agree. I've seen the trailer. I think I've seen the trailer. Yeah, I don't think I've actually is way better the than the actual pilot. thing, which yeah. is a little weird. Um, yeah, and and and, yeah. and I think they they should have stuck with with what was in the concept trailer because you don't get anything at all. Like like I said, the, there's there's like a, a really big bait switch in episode one in the pilot that I just didn't yeah. like. Mm-hmm. They should have just kept it for what it was. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of potential there. If I was, if I was someone who had a crap ton of money and I was in the film industry, I would pick up that director and I would pick up that project and work closely with him, and have other people who I trusted in like work with him as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jess? Anything you want to remake? Mong movie wise, I don't remember because I feel like the movies that I do remember, they're all Mong dubs. <laughs> Namanuna. No. That's a Chinese that. movie. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's dubbed. It's dubbed. Yeah. That's what we're talking I about. Mean, I mean, Mermaid Got Married is it's Chinese film. That would be fun to remake. <laughs> You'd be remaking Splash, basically. Yeah. But this would be better. Because no. they're, like, not, like, yeah, they're not, like, high school kids. They'd be Asians. Yeah, they're not in high school. Yeah, with Asians. We'd, we'd have to have Takeshi Kenishara, though. Like, we just, we would have to. He can be like the one of the teachers. He can or be no the principal. Yeah, he could be the principal <laughs> with the um, uh, with the chicken, the chicken leg. God, I love that. I love that movie. It's so nostalgic. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think I would remake anything because I don't remember a lot of films growing up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so you want to talk about the Thai and the Indonesian film industry? Yeah, so Thai films are still relevant. They haven't really been popping out too much. Like, they're, okay, their their biggest ones are Ong Bak, put Tony Jaw on the radar. Now Tony Jaw is, like, being dragged into every single project out there with any action film. And then their horror films. There's quite a few. Uh, Shudder, obviously one of them. Um, and there's another one I remember called Coming Soon. I don't think... Are you guys familiar with that one? That sounds familiar. Is that the Coming one with the telephone? Soon. With the cell phone? No, no, no. It, it's about, like, movies. Like, like, uh... It's, it's like, if you watch movies? this... Yes, I remember that. Yeah, if you watch this movie, you're gonna die at the end of it or something. Because when they actually filmed... Like, like it, in the movie, when they filmed that movie in the movie, like, the, the actress died. And they kept that scene in it or something. Oh, yeah. I just looked so, it up. So it looked creepy. That film. Yeah, there's, so she there's... haunts that film, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's I should have looked it up. <laughs> you knew. I didn't tell you to look it scary. up. It's going to be scary. It's a Thai <laughs> horror film. It's going to be I told scary, you, I just I saw a little gif in the corner. I was like, ooh, that's creepy. <laughs> no I thanks. told you, Thai horror film. Don't ever Dude, look up anything they don't Thai joke. horror. <laughs> 
You don't <laughs> shudder while you're at it. Jesus. No, 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 no. Shudder is hella scary. Shudder is man. Terrifying. That movie. Whew, I mean, I just wanted me. i I wanted to look up look it up to see if I've ever seen it. That's the only <laughs> thing. I wasn't trying to go watch it. Yeah. 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 Um, I was just seeing if like the movie poster like reminded me of something. Nope, mm-hmm. it did not. Yeah. But yeah. Um. Yeah. So lately, I think. There was another Thai horror film I saw like a couple years ago. I don't, I don't remember what it's called, but it's about this girl. She made a promise to like her friend, but she didn't follow through with it, and so now her friend like haunts her. Like twenty years later, like she's older now and she has a kid, and her friend is still like haunting her or something. And so the whole film, she's trying to like reconcile with that the whole thing um i thought that was like a, that's actually a pretty good pretty good film they'll still occasionally come out with stuff like that but i think if i remember correctly when i was in college my roommate he um he's chinese but he was a missionary kid and so his dad went off to like a bunch of different countries in southeast asia and um there's actually a lot of lgbt films in thailand so we won't see much of that released out here or at least sub but there's a ton of that like you won't see it on wikipedia but I- i've heard that there's a pretty good bunch of stories like that uh I- yeah, I remember, yeah. like, when I was younger watching, like, Thai movies with mom, like, there were a lot of characters that were LGBTQ. Yeah, there were mm-hmm. a lot of trans yeah. characters in, in Thai film. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's interesting yeah, that so they've th- been this... doing that for a long time. Mm-hmm. They've been doing yeah. that for a very long time, so, like, yeah, we're, we're way behind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, seriously, they've been doing it for, for almost, like, 10, 20 years now, if anything. Yeah. They probably started in yeah. 2000, yeah. Um, and I guess that's pretty much where they've been at now. I haven't really seen anything recently, like nothing last year. Yeah. There's that um, Thai TV should... show on Netflix, Stranded. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's by the same director who made Shudder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was yeah. like, you, so... should ask, you should ask mom to see if she's seen any good ones lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll ask. Otherwise, the Thai film industry has been kind of like not growing, but not losing its momentum. It's just kind of yeah. maintaining right now. Yeah. Um, but what's really been popping is Indonesia. Not a lot of people know this, but like... Buffalo um, Boys! Yeah. But see, Buffalo Boys came to existence because of one particular person who decided to give this guy, like, some star power. Or basically, like, he had an idea. The guy's name is Gareth Evans. He is a uh, film director. He, he's white, I believe. But he, I think he went over to Indonesia for something. And then uh, he was picking up, like, some parcel. And he looked at he looked at the guy and he was like, you know what? I think you could star in a film... Like, I think you do a really good job in the film. <laughs> wow. He was like, Luck okay. Look at the draw. So, they made Marantau. Uh, made, I think it was made in 2007. Uh, oh, the the guy is uh, Eco UI. This dude's in, like, everywhere now. Every Netflix original with an Indonesian dude is probably Eco UI. Um, Not even just Indonesian, just, like, any action. Like, yeah, any, any Asian action, action person. <laughs> any Asian action yeah. film. I guess he is. Find Eco UI in it. He is kind of like the successor, then, of, like, Jackie Chan, Jet Li. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm hoping he gets his own gigs now. Because lately, I think he's still learning English. I think, if anything, that's the big thing that's kind of holding him back a little bit. Is the mm-hmm. language barrier. But, um, otherwise, like, he's doing great. The Raid was what really put them on everyone's radar. I've heard of that movie. Yeah. The Raid is a really, really good film, but it is very, very... Not for the faint of heart, let's put it that way. Very, very gruesome, like, action scenes. Violent. It's very violent. Very okay. violent. Like, if you thought, like... I'm trying to think... I can't think of anything more violent than The Raid. <laughs> the Raid is pretty violent. Um, Battle Royale is pretty violent. Yeah, I've seen like, Battle okay, Royale. imagine Battle Royale, like, times five. Yeah. Mm, okay. Is it, like, Upgrade? It's... it's probably just as brutal as upgrade okay yeah mm-hmm. but it's very very well done like they use the the indonesian martial arts very very well it has its culture like mm-hmm. you, you see it throughout all the films in the raid one the raid two um and i think they want to make a third one but i'm not too sure now because um eco ui has been dragged into every single project now 
Um, That's funny. But HBO Asia also greenlit this TV show called Half Worlds. I think, Jonathan, we watched the first episode of it because I wanted to see your opinion on it. Half I Worlds. don't remember. What is it it's about? An, uh, Indonesian, uh, it's HBO Asia show uh, in based on Indonesian mythology. I don't think you remember. Mm, I don't remember. <laughs> Yeah, but we we watched the first episode. I asked you about like it's it's uh it's opening prologue because he uses like this narration cartoon thing, comic book style, hmm. to kind of explain like the world that they're setting up. Yeah, I bet uh, you if I watch it, I'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably. It's, so uh, it's kind of yeah, like so the great HBO, ruler then. Mm-hmm. The great ruler. Yeah, is even like HBO that. starts green green lighting like all these things, and I think season one's about Indonesian mythology. And then season two is about uh, Thai mythology, so they start to kind of branch out all these to, to all these two uh, different cultures, um, which is really really interesting. Um, which is why like I'm always a big fan of like any country, anything that wants to like get bigger, you know, tell their stories. Like they can do it. You just got to get to you get real lucky. You just got to deliver mail to the right person. <laughs> <laughs> that's all yeah. So yeah, that's all I wanted to say about the Indonesian film industry. Uh, that's okay. something like, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Like yeah, like what Jonathan you said, Buffalo Boys, like great film. There's a ton of Indonesian talent and actors, actresses out there, and I'm really looking forward to like what else like is going to be out there. Cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that about the Indonesian film industry. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for telling us. Yeah. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is people. Well, in our lat in our previous episode. Part one, we talked a lot, we talked about a lot of people, (laughs) many different people, Mm -hmm. but um, just maybe now that it's been a year since our last episode, have there been people who have maybe we forgot or maybe have missed from last time? Because I feel like a few of these names have been more popular recently, but um, Hassan Minaj and Ronnie Chang. Have you guys heard of Ronnie Chang? Yeah, I watched The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, and he's on there. Okay, He has a segment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hassan Minaj and Ronnie Chang, they're both comedians. Have you guys heard of Hassan Minaj? Is he Patriot Act? Yeah, Patriot Act. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so he has a show on Netflix called Patriot Act, and then uh, he was also on The the Daily Show with Trevor Noah before. Oh, okay. um, Kind of branching off and doing his own thing. And, um, yeah, I feel like... Uh, Asian American comedians, it's, I don't want to say it's a thing, but it, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys remember there used to be just this, um, stand, this reality TV show. It was basically finding like the next great comedian or whatever. And there was an Asian guy that won, I think. You guys, do you guys remember that? I don't remember his name. Like, I, because I can't even remember the, what the show is called. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he was on NBC, and yeah, it was like finding like the next up and coming. I remember that show. I just don't remember. Yeah, it was an Asian guy that won, and he was popular for a little bit. And then I guess another Asian American comedian, I'm pretty sure we've talked about before, is Ken Jong. But I wanted to bring up Hassan and Ronnie because I feel like well, Hassan, he's from Sac- the, Sac- the Sacramento area because he went to Davis and he graduated from there. Um, and for me, he just he's so smart. And he's funny, which is refreshing to see. Because I feel like a lot of comedians, they're just, they're funny just to be funny. But I feel like with Hassan, he's like super, super smart. And he's such a great storyteller in the way he um, does his show for Patriot Act. Have you guys ever seen it? The Patriot Act? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. Larry, have you seen it? No, I haven't. Okay. You'll have to watch it because it's very just very informative 
Mm-hmm. And he's also, it's just, it's funny. Like, you learn. You like you watch a whole episode, you're like, oh, I didn't know about that, you know, like, that topic that whatever he talked about. You're like, now I know. Like, what is happening with, like, like politics or just, like, things, like, going on in the world. And then, like, with Ronnie Chang, his, his humor is definitely more dry, I think, and more, like, sarcastic. But I kind of like that, too, <laughs> because, well, he kind of plays, like, that character in um, Crazy Rich Asians. Too. Do you remember him in that, Jonathan? Yeah, he plays the annoying guy, doesn't he? Cousin. Yeah, I think the cousin. Yeah, the really obnoxious. With, with the family. Yeah. 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 But mm-hmm. I love him. I think he's so funny. So I think it's just, it's great that Asian Americans are also like, oh, Asians. Asian, Asian Americans. They're also like, brand, we're also branching out into, you know, like, the, like, uh, like the comedy, comedians. I don't know how, what to call that, like niche comedy scene <laughs> like comedy yeah like that comedy scene i mean i guess you could put like aquafina in that too ali wong um, yeah ali wong which i i loved her special i love all their specials if you guys ever get a chance to check out their specials on netflix they're all really good but yeah and then i guess a few other people that i wanted to mention was also randall park he is the dad in fresh off the boat and then he also recently did a movie with Ali Wong on Netflix called Always Be My Maybe. And I don't don't think we mentioned Si Ma, which we've talked about him earlier. He's the dad in Mulan and also the dad in Rush Hour. <laughs> and also the dad in Tiger Tail. So <laughs> And the dad isn't he No, no, that's BD Wong. BD Wong is the dad in Nora from Queens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So and then uh, another person is Ross Butler. He is in There's Two Reasons Why. He's been, I guess, uh, popular within the like the young Hollywood. And then we also have Dev Patel, who you may all know from Lion, Slumdog Millionaire. He's done, I think he's even coming out with, which was very surprising to me, a period piece. Do you guys remember? Like, yeah, I you sent said, that yeah, I sent the trailer. Yeah. I was like, what? Dev Patel in a period piece? Like, that's so rare to see, like, any person of color in, like, a period piece. Like, I think it's, is it British? I don't know. It's European. That's all I remember. Okay. Yeah, I'm like, most likely British? I could be wrong. But, um, Dev Patel. Then there's Henry Lau. If you guys don't know who he is, he is a singer, songwriter, actor from Canada. But he went to Korea to 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 go into the music business. And then he was part of um, a K-pop group. And then he kind of disbanded from that. So now he's kind of, he has his own entertainment company and he releases his own music and stuff like that. And recently he was in an American film called A Dog's Journey. (laughs) And he played the love interest, which I I loved because I was like, oh, there's an Asian guy in an American film that's a love interest. I really loved seeing Henry in that movie. And then I feel like there's, there's so many guys that have been popular i guess and then a bollywood actor from india he is a part of a main cast on new amsterdam he plays a doctor his name is i'm gonna butcher it anupam kerr he was also the dad in bend it like beckham if you guys remember that film and then another popular actor is manish dayal he's also a part of the main cast in the resident that is on fox so i guess these are kind of like 
the people that I've been I've seen ever since we've talked about like Asian American actors in in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You know, some random thought that came to my mind. Um, yeah. When you're talking about Henry Lau and in a romantic like you know yeah first position, I was thinking to myself, you know what? I'm gonna make I'm gonna remake Ishi Nang like a Nicholas Sparks film. <laughs> <laughs> You could. You know what? Why isn't there a Nicholas Sparks film with like Asian people in it, huh? (laughs) Where's that? (laughs) Because all of his films are based in South Carolina, North Carolina. There are are Asian people, but I feel like most of his stories are based off of um, his own experience. That's why. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I've read. Yeah, our closest thing is probably Crazy Rich Asians. Then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, is there anyone do you think that we may have missed last time? Do you guys remember now? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I don't know who we talked about. I don't remember. I was we like, if we talked about a lot, though. Yeah, we, we did, did talk, talk about, about a lot. Of I think we talked a lot about like the main people that we remember growing up with. Right. Like Lucy Liu, Ming Na, Jackie Chan, Jet Li. Yeah. Those are like the main people. Mm-hmm. Um, we remember seeing growing up but now it's nice to see the shift a little bit more because now i feel like there's a lot more asian americans on screen a south asian especially with like a new palm kerr there's De patel and also manish dial so it's nice to see more people i would like to see more even more <laughs> <laughs> the next thing we want to talk about is how international films, non-American, have shaped who we are in our experience growing up. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about was basically how international films are a part of the Asian American experience. For us growing up, we watched a lot of Hmong dub films, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, right. But then they all had subtitles on them too. And so we like were used to you know, having those subtitles in. And then and then as we got older, we started watching, you know, like other international films too from, from Asia, Asian countries. And those films um, had subtitles in them. So for us, like, subtitles on, like in a film are not like the worst thing in the world, you know? Yeah, they're not foreign to us. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, f- I feel like even with um, American sh- TV now, I watch it with subtitles. Like, even though I obviously understand what they're saying, I like to watch it with yeah. subtitles on just because I might right. miss with miss captions. Something. You mean. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I, I just I just feel like it's it's a very formative part of our experience as Asian Americans growing up. And I remember watching um, or trying to watch The Man from Nowhere, um, which is a Korean film. Uh, it's a Korean action film. And 10 minutes into the film, like one of my friends was like, um, I can't do this. And. It just kind of threw me off. Like, I've never watched a film with someone before. I guess that's the only time I've ever watched a film with someone that was in another language. And, like, we had to stop the film because they couldn't watch it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 just, I just don't know anybody who, you know, besides that person, who, you know, can't do subtitles. It's just it's just a thing, you know? It's like... Mm-hmm. It's like um, like what's what's so hard about it? You're just reading it. I feel like it's it's an adult thing. You know what I mean? It's like it's like grow up, like uh, grow up, go like, to oh work. God, you know, or something. Hard. You know? I don't want to read. <laughs> it's 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 so interesting because um, my experience with Man from Nowhere, like I first watched it in college, and um, 
with, with my buddies. Like, I think they wanted to watch Mephanor, so we watched it, and then we were uh, streaming it. It was English dub. They're like, bro, find the Korean one, man. We can't do English dub. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, English but, dub yeah. is weird. I don't yeah. like it. Mm-hmm. But, like, we couldn't find a, a Korean version, so we just we just sucked it up. We watched it in, in English, which yeah. is fine. But, um... Even when, when I try to find movies for dad, because I know dad loves like martial arts action movies, um, he has a hard time reading subtitles So, because um, it goes by too fast. So he'd rather actually hear in English. I mean, obviously, preferably Hmong, but like that's why they have Hmong dub stuff uh, way back when. It was right. interesting how like, like, like he didn't... Yeah, yeah. English is his second language. Or even right. third language, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, of course... Technically reading... fourth. <laughs> Right, so like technically reading for him, of course it's gonna be hard. But this person mm-hmm. was white, and so like <laughs> they have no excuse, you know. Like just read it, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's. I feel like that's just a straight up like ignorant being like ignorant. <laughs> it is. It's just like oh, I don't even want to try. Like if you were to bring like someone to like a certain type of restaurant or something like the it's like they've never done it before and they're just like oh i'm not even gonna eat that like <laughs> but you haven't even tried it like how do you know if you don't like it right right it's like that yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry larry i cut you off oh no no that, that that was pretty much it um but i think my experience when it comes to like subtitles was like i guess the memory i remember the most is watching foreign uh, language horror films uh when we rented it from blockbuster so talking about like the ring the grudge um i don't know what got us into that i think our cousins might have got us into that horror film stuff right i don't think we (laughs) borrowed it from blockbuster because blockbuster at that time didn't even have international films really not asian ones oh really not pretty sure okay they had like definitely like european international films and stuff but we had to go to, I remember this specifically because we were all hanging out together and one of our cousins, she was like, oh, uh, like, have you guys seen The Grudge? And we were like, uh, no, what's that? Like, it's called Juon, The Grudge. It's like a Japanese film. We we're like, okay, uh, where are we going to get it? And like, mm-hmm. there was literally like, it didn't, ha- it didn't, it wasn't in like the American store. So we had to go to this like janky ass, like, um, what are those called? Like it's like one of those sh- side stores next to um, next to SF supermarket. You know, like okay. yeah, one yeah, yeah. of those video stores. Yeah, right? those those gift right. souvenir stores. And when we went there, they had it, but then it was like one of those bootleg like VCD copies. Yeah, yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so yeah, but that's all we had, and so we we had to buy it, and then and then we got it from there. Like it wasn't even available like in the American like video stores and stuff. You know. Right, um, mm-hmm. because I guess at that point they never really had found distributors or publishers for uh, those right. types of films. Nobody so, believes in yeah. it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, yeah. like, well, well, yeah. besides uh, foreign language films, also anime too. Like anime, I'm so used to just reading subtitles. Because I know, I think one time I think we we're watching Kodomo no Omocha, mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> I remember. You and you and uh, our other cousin, you guys were hiding it from me and and uh, my younger brother because you guys didn't want us to watch it or something. It's not that it was inappropriate; it was just more like that. Like you guys didn't want us to get into it, or right. you guys were just doing your own thing. Yeah, right. Jessica would do <laughs> that to me sure. all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's just us remember, siblings yeah, being siblings. I did yeah. that yeah. with the movie. I remember. Yeah. 
you always you did that to me with uh, like a walk to remember and yeah, like a whole bunch of other <laughs> movies. Yeah, you just wouldn't let me yeah. watch it. No, I'm watching it only. <laughs> Like no, I want to watch it too. Like nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I do remember that. I do remember yeah. that. <laughs> yep. I was gonna say, like for me, my like earliest memories is like with international films is like watching Thai movies with mom. Even though it wasn't Thai, there was no subtitles. I would always just ask her what would they say so i would feel bad because mom yeah. was like trying to pay attention but then she was also like translating for me too because i wanted <laughs> to know what was going on so after a while i just like, i stopped because i didn't want to keep bothering her um so i would just mm-hmm. try to like follow along and figure out what was happening with um you know like the scene and stuff but right. that's kind of like my earliest memories with it and then similar to you guys with like watching I mean, for like for us at Korea, we've always watched like international films, you know, whether or not it was dubbed in Hmong or um, or it was subtitles. Like we, it was just always in our household, so we were just so used to it. Like it didn't bother us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next thing I want to talk about is um, YouTube as a platform, and I feel like YouTube, um, it's been around for a long. A long time Mm -hmm. and like i feel like it's given uh like asian americans uh, a platform to be content creators with people like wong fu and then we have a bunch of like uh, artists like kina granis sam sui asia Raphael, gabe bondock you know all these people and yeah i think it's just been a very fun and interesting way for like Asian Americans to just be able to like put our voice out there because a studio might not give us the chance to do it. So it's like, well, if no one's going to give us a chance, like, why don't we mm-hmm. just do it ourselves? You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it's been very fun to see like every everyone's growth from YouTube and like how how big uh, Asian American uh, like studios and content creators have gotten so much bigger. So, yeah, what do you guys think about, like, YouTube as a platform and, or, I don't know, just kind of like any kind of, I feel like in this digital social age, it's very easy to kind of, you know, put out your own content without having to, like, oh, I have to go, like, go to a studio or something to, you know, Mm -hmm. to see if I'll even get picked up for whatever. But now I feel like it's so easy to kind of just, like, put whatever you want out there. Right. Now, Now it's sort of like some publishers or some companies don't believe that there's a market for a lot of things but then in a way we have to be able to prove that there are people out there who are willing to listen willing to support um and that's always like the biggest concern when it comes to these companies because it's like they don't want to invest too much money into talent that uh, may or may not have a big return and that's what youtube does youtube uses that uh, capability to be able to prove that you know hey we can market and brand ourselves, and uh, people are interested in our type of content and so yeah, I'm I'm really glad what that YouTube is allowing creators to be able to do that. Not just YouTube, you have like uh, SoundCloud, Spotify. You have so many all types of platforms and services for people to be able to you know get publicity, get reputation, get known. Um, and I think that's great. So yeah, I would agree. YouTube is like a really good way to almost like prove ourselves you know that like Mm -hmm. that like what 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 we want or or what the content we make is wanted by people you know it's and it's not just music too even though like 
music, I feel, is, like, one of the biggest scenes for Asian Americans on YouTube. Like, another thing that I think about is, like, uh, food and travel vlogs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think of Mike Chen, who does Strictly Dumpling. He's really popular. Um, I really like John and Delena. They're, like, Asian-Australian couple. Delena's Vietnamese and... John is Chinese and Vietnamese mix and they travel to a lot of Asian countries and it's really cool because like they also grew up with like anime and like with the international movies that we did and so like Mm -hmm. for them to go to these countries and then like and then comment like about anime in Japan or comment about like something else like we wouldn't get this if white people were to go you know like they would just go or I should say the majority of white folks don't know what anime is and so when when they when they go to japan like they can't appreciate it you know um yeah for, for and that's like, in, in a way in a way that's something you wouldn't find on like food network or right <laughs> right yeah right any big network companies you probably wouldn't find yeah and then <laughs> find that that you don't find that nuance you know what i mean <laughs> i can imagine food network going to like an anime cafe and just like talking so like from the outside perspective about like what uh, mm-hmm. what what anime is and all that stuff yeah or, or like talking down on like that that sort of like cultural <laughs> that a core cultural part of right that business right. or like that country you know it's like wait why, why are you like talking smack about it right 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 like it's, it's such a foreigner thing to do you know yeah. but then when you come when it comes to like vlogs like that like you said jonathan it's sort of like like they love that like it's what they love is their passion you know and they can relate to it mm-hmm. um and i think that sort of style like brings out the most of it compared to something you would find that other producers might think of doing otherwise on like bigger networks so yeah yeah and then another thing i think like when it comes to asians making content on youtube i think of mukbangs which are basically for those of you who don't know they're videos of people eating and that's what they do and it's it's an interesting thing. It, it's a it's a Korean culture kind of phenomenon, I guess. I mean, I didn't really understand it very much at first, but then after I started following some like mukbang creators, it's it's interesting to see what they eat, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not too interested in in like how they look like when they eat, which like <laughs> which is the phenom- phenomenon itself, you know? Like, I don't mm-hmm. care about that, but I do want to see like different types of food that people are eating and like. And I, I'm I'm really interested in the ones who actually like like show how they make their food too, like before they mm-hmm. before they eat it. I think those are the more interesting ones to me. Yeah. Um but yeah, like those I, I, I do watch mukbang videos once in a while, but again, not interested in the actual like Yeah. <laughs> just eating. watching watching someone eat. eat. Right. Yeah, it, it it creates that like social because like uh, eating is a very social thing for Asians. Um and it, it create it digitally creates that. Right. Like, you know, on a video, that's what mukbangs kind of do. Right. Um, we should parody it, just buy fast food and then do mukbang. I mean, that's what, that's what people do. Like, people people <laughs> yeah. buy fast food and eat it. Like, that's all they do. Yeah, yeah. I think one time my roommate saw me watching a mukbang video. He's like, I thought you were watching something interesting. And then I looked over your shoulder and just watching this guy eat fried chicken. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I'm watching this guy eat fried chicken because I want to know what fried chicken tastes like in Korea, you know, like because he's eating the fried chicken in Korea and he's commenting on it because he's he's in a he's a Korean American living in Korea. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's funny. funny. <laughs> yeah, th- there's this cage on my watch and uh, the the girl in there, she's like a retired uh, TV news anchor. 
And then she tried to break out into, like, the mukbang scene. <laughs> so she recorded herself at a restaurant trying to, like, find the right words to say, do everything. And she wanted to submit it as, like, an audition or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, man, that's crazy how, like, it's such a cultural thing in right. Korea that, you know, they start bringing it on to, like, Korean dramas and stuff, right. too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was talking to one of my um, Korean friends about this. And she was telling me that I think there's a Korean word for it. Like, there's actually a Korean word to, like, compliment it's like those Carl's Jr. commercials, you know, with those like girls uh, eating they make those. Look, they make huge... food look so good. Yeah, <laughs> they make it look so good. Like that's mm-hmm. that's that's essentially what like mukbangs are supposed to be. Like they oh, make okay. like if if you can that's... eat something and make it look so good, then you can make money doing it because because that's yeah. what that's what people want to see. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny because whenever, like, I watch, like, BTS videos, right, or they have, like, behind the scenes or whatever, like, they all, they're they always eating, right, because they they have busy schedules, so they're always eating, and they make food look so good. I'm like, dang, like, I want to eat whatever they're eating because it looks so good. Now I know it's, like, a cultural thing Yeah, yeah. to yeah. Make, make it look good while you're eating food, okay? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I think another thing that I also want to mention is on YouTube, there it has been a platform and a voice for like uh, Asian American women in terms of beauty influencers or beauty gurus, such as like Michelle Phan. And then there's a few other influencers that I follow. They're like, I feel like I would put them in the like, I don't want to say box, but in the area of like lifestyle influencer, yeah. mm-hmm. where they kind of like do everything. So I, I follow a lot of um, people like that. Whaley Huang, she's from the Bay Area. She's now in L.A. And then Jen M, she's a Korean-American living out in L.A. So it's kind of, I don't know, I just feel, like, so proud because um, just to see them successful in what mm-hmm. they're doing, like, they're just, you know, vlogging about the things that they do, the things that they eat, and, like, you know, beauty tips here and there, and just, like, lifestyle tips and so I feel like it's been good for me, like, being able to, like, watch Asian American women, like, even though they weren't on, like, the big screen, like, they were on, I guess, on YouTube, and I was able to, you know, learn things from them. So, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it, and it's interesting because, you know, these these people are, like, they don't have a lot of money, nor do they have a, nor are they famous for anything, you know what I mean? Like, you think of, like, mm-hmm. Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie, right, who had their own like TV show about them going around doing nothing, you know, like those are like the original reality TV vlogs or whatever. Um, but then they were super rich, right? Paris Hilton being uh, the heiress to Hilton hotels and Nicole Richie being Lionel Richie's daughter. Like, like they had a lot of money, you know, so they can literally like pay somebody to film them and put them on TV. But these people, like they do so much work for themselves, you know, like they record themselves, they edit themselves. Like they had to start from nowhere and then build their platform. Um, and then, then they had, then they could hire people when they start having like their an actual mm-hmm. income, like from, from the YouTube videos and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like the actress who like works a whole bunch of different jobs you know what I mean? Like, and is not like super famous. Like, it's it's not like she's Scarlett Johansson, you know. But then when you look at her like resume, like you see that she's in a whole bunch of TV and films that you know she just plays like smaller support roles or something like that. You yeah. know, like like these YouTubers are the ones who like work really hard and do and love and love what they do, but they're not super rich. You know, like they mm-hmm. they just make 
an honest living. Although some YouTubers are pretty, make yeah. a lot of bank. Yeah, um, they do. Yeah. But very yeah. few, like maybe like point one percent, you know, of all YouTubers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this concludes our part two of the Asian American experience. You guys can look forward to the next few episodes that we will be putting out on music, TV, and film. And then we also have a special interview with our parents. So thank you guys so much for listening. And again, I'm Jessica. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Larry. See you guys next time. Bye.